Breakfast with Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now, 13 12 69. program great to have your company monday january 25 it's australia day eve and i'd love to hear from you this morning let me know what's on your mind 13 12 69 it's kind of the last week before things get back to normal we've got kids returning uh, from school holidays later this week and we'll go back to normal next week as well uh, we'll be back to our five till nine breakfast program when the King returns. John Laws, yeah, he's back next Monday. In the meantime, we're here till midday today on 13 12 69. So the Queensland border decision will be made a little later this week. Let's hope that the Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk opens up her state to people in New South Wales. Can only hope. I mean, how many double-digit zero, uh, zero days do we need, Miss Palaszczuk? Uh, let's get New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria open for business. I mean, Western Australia have reopened their borders. New South Wales and Queensland residents are now allowed back in with the WA hard border falling. Arrivals will need to test, of course. There'll be some isolation in place, but let's hope we are slowly but surely getting back to normal. 13 12 69, if you would like to give us a call. All the news and your views on this Australia Day Eve. If you want to send me a text, 0458 049 209. And of course, your emails, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. So, here we are on Australia Day Eve, or as some people still like to call it, Invasion Day. Um, I don't. I don't like calling it that at all. I think it's divisive. Um, But a lot of people do. I see the latest survey, um, this one that popped up this morning on our television screen. It's, I think, Channel 7 are running this one. Uh, They're certainly promoting it. Uh, 48% of us say that we do not want the date changed. Some 24% believe the date should be changed, while I think the remaining percentage say they couldn't care either way. How do you feel? 13 12 69, the telephone number. Uh, There's a lot of division going on, a hell of a lot of division going on at the moment. It's all a distraction. We had the Margaret Court incident. When I say incident, I mean with respect. She's a wonderful, wonderful tennis player, or certainly was. But who on earth would have thought it was a great idea offering this woman an Australia Day honour? In fact, the highest Australia Day honour that we have. Apart from Australian of the Year, I don't get it. I really don't. 
Um, Margaret Court, as good and wonderful as she's been on the tennis court, I think she's been very divisive off it. And was always going to be the case that people would see red and there'd be criticism, etc. But just uh, just <laughs> as you would expect on cue, uh, I mean, look, to be honest, just back to Margaret Court very quickly. There are so many more deserving people of an Australia Day honour than Margaret Court. What about doctors on the front line of the pandemic? What about those who've been working tirelessly to keep us safe? Nurses, doctors, aged care staff. And then we can go back to the bushfires. What about the fireys? What about all of those who have supported Australians in their time of need? Why is it always the elites who seem to get the big awards? And then, right on cue, we have an award that'll really... Well, I don't quite get it again when I say the elites. Rupert Murdoch apparently has been awarded some obscure Australia uh, Australia Day Award. It's apparently Australia British Day Award. Never heard of them before, to be honest. I mean, what's Tony Abbott been doing over there? Probably. <laughs> Probably ensuring this thing happens. Anyway... Uh, Rupert Murdoch, he's being given a gong as well for Australia Day tomorrow. And then right on cue, the Murdoch Media, front page of today's Daily Telegraph. The division, the ABC, has been accused of dividing the nation by referring to Australia Day as Invasion Day in an online guide for events happening on January 26 tomorrow. The Police Minister, David Elliott, has also accused the ABC of promoting a protest that organisers expect will breach COVID rules. All right, well, what do you make of that? Give us a call. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. I mean, it would appear that, I mean, those that follow the ABC and work for the ABC can't have their opinion. I mean, I thought it was all about free speech. I mean, for God's sake. Not that I agree with it. I don't agree with it. I hate the term Invasion Day, I really do. But by the same token, shouldn't the ABC and those that work on her and those that support that line of thought, shouldn't they be able to wear their views? Considering, you know, (laughs) Margaret Court's getting an award for God knows what what for, for her work in the community. Okay, well, I'd argue very strongly that Margaret Court has been just as divisive in the community is what the ABC is being accused of being. Rupert Murdoch, extremely divisive with the way that he manipulates the message ahead of federal and state elections. Didn't work in Queensland for him, but he's getting a gong. And yet, the front page of his newspaper, everyone's getting their patties in a twist because the ABC has referred to Australia Day as Invasion Day. Anyway, if you want to have your say on this, give me a call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Well, what an awful story in Sydney. Police are investigating after an armed robbery in Sydney's West overnight. Officers were called to a Plumpton business just after 11 o'clock to reports that two blokes had entered the store and threatened the staff there with a sawn-off shotgun. It's alleged the pair then stole money mobile phones in a drawer 
of the cash register before fleeing. Well, that didn't take any ciggies. I mean, cigarettes are so expensive these days, that's normally what they go after. Anyway, uh, officers want to speak to two men, one described as being of Pacific Islander or Maori appearance, and the other described as being 175 centimetres tall with a thin build. If you can assist police, give them a call, 1300 000, uh, What's the number? What is that number? For I'll grab it here. I've just forgotten it. Normally know it off the top of my head. Here we go. Uh, if you can, assist police. one eight hundred triple three triple zero. That's it. one eight hundred triple three triple zero. 3000 Or you can get in contact with Mount Druitt Police Station. Awful story. And thank goodness uh, neither of these two shop assistants were injured. Alrighty, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. The February vaccine rollout plan is on track, according to our Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt. He said over the weekend, uh, dismissing concerns about a worldwide shortage of the Pfizer jab, governments around the world are battling to secure supply of the effective Pfizer jab. Ten million doses are due to be delivered to Australia. But that can only happen after authorities here approve it. But apparently we are on track to get the jab very soon. Will you be getting it? Give us a call, 13 12 69. Hello, Chris. G'day, Marcus. How you going, mate? All right, thank you, Chris. What's on your mind? Look, in relation to Margaret Court, I, I don't really understand how she's so divisive. She just doesn't agree with something that has become part of our, our society. Like, as a kid, she was a national hero. Um, I'd... I, like, does that mean anybody that doesn't agree with the progress of what's happened is divisive? Uh, no, uh, of course not. It's just that Margaret Court has uh, a platform that's been provided from uh, tennis uh, and Tennis Australia, if you like. Uh, and she, in my opinion, she probably shouldn't be using that platform. I know these days she's a, uh, what does she do? She, she's the minister or something or other. Um, yeah, right. Uh, look, um, again, I uh, I think she's been terribly divisive. I don't believe she should have, uh, in my opinion, uh, said, uh, and I'll, I'll get some details soon, and I've got uh, links to I, stories. I don't know exactly what she said or well, anything. Well, she basically has turned around and, and, and had a, a, over a number of years, she's been very... Uh, She's against gay marriage. Well, yeah, but she's gone even further. You know, gone Um, even further by saying that same-sex couples who bring up children uh, basically are doing the wrong thing and that, you know... uh, Look, everybody's got a different opinion on it, but um, I don't agree with her. So uh, I'm... Can I I say something about Australia Day? Yes, mate, of course. Um, Look, it would be absolutely wonderful if Australia could find some way to to fix these problems. How Aboriginal people cannot be recognised in the Constitution is just like after growing up in the country, going to school in the country, living in the community, I never knew there was a difference until the last five years. Um, I just cannot get my head around how Aboriginal people are not recognised in the Constitution. Well, that's I a question that I. Well, it. that's a question I would love to ask the prime minister, but he doesn't want to talk about this. It's like it's one of those things that could be fixed by people in power by going, "This is ridiculous," 
and doing away with whatever divisive means have been used to put that into play. Well, that's true. That's true. But look, a lot of people uh, do believe that um, the day is divisive. Uh, that's why some call it's it a day invasion. that everybody's no. happy with. Well, yeah, I know. Is it that easy, though? I, I, don't, don't, know. I don't think so. All right, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. If you'd like to have you say eighteen after six. In twenty twenty one, two SM has Sydney talking. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. All right, give me a call at 21 minutes after 6, my number 13, 12, 69, if you would like to have your say. If you want to send a text, 0458 049 209. And, of course, the email is there for you. MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. Marcus Paul returns for 2021, January 11. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. All right, well, uh, we're here. Uh, We might change the end of that there, Scruff. (laughs) All right, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning, 131269, if you would like to have your say. Uh, Look, what are people saying in relation to this tweet by the ABC that seems to have got the mainstream and their knickers in a knot? (laughs) Apparently it's very controversial. Really? They're acting like it's the first time they've ever heard the words Invasion Day. Yep, the ABC is facing criticism after referring to Australia Day as Invasion Day in an online guide and accompanying tweets. So, what do you make of it? A lot of people are having their say already. The government should defund them. They're not representative of balanced views, but instead constantly pushing their far left. Here we go. All right, Mary, good on you. Uh, John says, I thought the ABC was supposed to be impartial and apolitical. Just goes to show how left. There we go again. It's all working. It's all working. This division. It's divide and then conquer with rubbish. An invasion by 1,480 people on old leaky boats, most in shackles, 125 marine soldiers, some sailors, the rest in chains, mostly sick and malnourished. What invasion? So that's one side. And then there's the other side. Marcus always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. Anyway, if you want to have you say 13 12 69, the telephone number, but I'm not surprised. Just like clockwork, here it comes. On Australia Day Eve, the ABC accused of dividing the country by referring to Australia Day as Invasion Day in an online guide for events happening tomorrow, January 26. If you want to have your say, 131269, 2SM for your emails. Labor in New South Wales are calling for an investigation into the use of taxpayers' money to survey attitudes to the government ahead of the 2019 state election. The inappropriate use of taxpayer funds came to light in the latest New South Wales Auditor General report into government advertising. <laughs> well, is it any wonder? Of course, the government's going to use taxpayers' money to completely and utterly fund itself. It's the Berejiklian mob after all. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Email us MP in the morning at 2SMSupernetwork.com <laughs> I'm sorry uh, what is Chok Mundoon doing these days? Is, is he a player agent? Is he? He must be a player agent these days. He's asking for what? A million dollars a year 
for Latrell Mitchell to play rugby league. Latrell missing in action. Mitchell, he's not worth half that a year. For God's sake. Anthony Mundine. Wow. All right, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say. I see Australia will pledge $1.5 billion over the next five years to help build a more climate-resilient world. Environment Minister Susan Lee is set to make the promise at an international summit hosted by the Netherlands. Australia will be among 118 nations included, with the money set to establish an agency to deal with disaster resilience and risk reduction. Is it money well spent? It's a lot of money. $1.5 billion over the next five years to help build a more climate-resilient world. I've got no problem with building a climate-resilient world, but you know, I'd love to know where this money goes. As I say, the Environment Minister Susan Lee will make the promise at an international summit hosted by the Netherlands. We will be among 118 nations included, with the money set to establish an agency to deal with disaster, resilience and risk reduction. All right, so if Australia are pledging $1.5 billion, there's 118 nations, let's just say, I don't know, even half of them pledge a similar amount of money. I mean, I can't even count that high. It'll be a hell of a lot of money. And you've got to wonder again, where does it all go? And will it change anything? 13 12 69, the telephone number. If you're into UFC, Conor McGregor's had the tripe punched out of him again in the last 24 hours. I think it's time to give up, Conor. Perhaps he looked a little worse for wear after being knocked out as well. And I see the internet has gone a little nuts on him as well. <laughs> trying to uh, make up a, a stack of memes, just like Anthony Mundine did when he hit the pavement and was put to sleep uh, during a fight. They're all having a crack at him now. Uh, research reveals an increase in young people experiencing feelings of isolation at key points of their lives. In the last two years, 34% of people aged 12 to 14 reported feeling isolated, up from 24%. If you're 12 to 14... This is what I don't understand. If you are 12 to 14 years of age, how does a 12 or a 13-year-old feel isolated? Is it because their mum and dad aren't paying them any attention? Is it because they don't have friends? Or they're socially awkward at school? I, I, I just I don't quite understand it. When I was 13... I never felt socially isolated. I don't know, maybe these kids need to get out with their mates and play cricket and ride their bikes and, you know, build jumps down at the local park. Go and hit a tennis ball. Go and whack a golf ball. Go and do something that gets them involved in sport and involved in, you know, uh, being around other people. There was also an increase from 42 to 50% for people aged 18 to 21. Well, again, there's plenty... Well, right at the moment, I guess, it's a little difficult with COVID, but there are plenty of things you can do to get yourself involved in your local community. 
Hasn't there got to be a little bit of self-responsibility in all of this? Look, I, I, I appreciate and I understand that it can be a little difficult for some people. Anyway, Nick DeGunn from Headspace there says there is there are always loved ones, sorry, says that there are ways loved ones can help in critical periods. Well, of course there are ways that loved ones can help in critical periods. And that would include probably telling kids to perhaps get off their tablets, get off their computer games and come and sit down and have a chat. I mean, that would be a really good way, I think, of trying to in- include younger people in their, you know, in, in their lives and perhaps get them more involved with families. I mean, do families these days sit around the dinner table and eat together at night? Does everybody do that? Well, I've heard that a lot of younger people, teenagers, aren't eating with their parents these days. And, and basically, they're at the, and the ones that do, they're at the table flicking through their phones rather than engaging in conversation. Is there any wonder that young people aged 12 to 18 are feeling even more isolated? I'll just repeat this survey... Research reveals an increase in young people experiencing feelings of isolation at key points in their lives. In the past two years, 34% of people aged 12 to 14 reported feeling isolated. That's up from 24%. So a third of our, if you read into this, a third of our kids aged 12 to 14, so a third of 13-year-olds are apparently isolated. Why? I get it. There was also an increase from 42 to 50% for people aged 18 to 21. So, again, if you read into the figures, half of 19-year-olds in Australia are feeling isolated. I don't know. Sometimes I, I look at this a little cynically. I mean, if we didn't produce figures like this, there'd, I guess, be no headspace. Uh, which, by the way, I know they do wonderful work. They really do wonderful work. Maybe we can speak to Nick DeGunn from Headspace, Justin, this morning on this. I think it's important. We've got probably a few younger people listening to the program these days and certainly younger people listening during the school holidays. Are you one of my younger listeners? Do you feel isolated? Are you 17, 18, feeling isolated? And if so, why? Love to know why. But anyway, we'll try and get Nick DeGunn or Nick Digun, I think it is, from Headspace on the program this morning and try and nut this out. Still a lot of teaching vacancies in New South Wales, I see this morning, and it's causing some issues. New South Wales Secondary Principals Council President Craig Peterson says universities should work to resolve the issue Now, apparently in New South Wales, there are upwards of 1,200 teaching vacancies as younger teachers are avoiding hard-to-teach schools. The New South Wales Secondary Principals Council is calling on the Education Department to address the staffing crisis across the state. Prukar might be something we can talk about this at some point as well. The state has upwards of 1,200 teaching vacancies as we learn that apparently younger teachers are avoiding hard-to-teach schools. 
Well, that's probably because it's unfortunate these days, but, you know, a lot of these kids can't be disciplined, particularly in these hard-to-teach, if you like, for want of a, a better word. Anyway, we'll speak to uh, Craig Peterson from the New South Wales Secondary Principals Council on this issue just after 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, but he believes that universities should also work to resolve the issue. Well, how will that work, Craig? I'll ask him after 7 this morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. away from 713-1269 is the telephone number. I've got a note here from Kate Washington, our hashtag Koala Warrior Labor are once again highlighting the need for better health services in regional, rural and remote New South Wales after the shock closure of an aged care facility in Harden. Uh, yeah, I heard about this last week when I was doing the Lawsy program. We had a number of callers from the Murrumbidgee. Uh, local residents are upset and anxious about their future. The closer, closure of this facility and its much-needed beds comes as a New South Wales parliamentary inquiry into regional, rural and remote health care gets underway. Residents are concerned that the closure of the Harden rec- uh, residential aged care facility will lead to the loss of one of the town's doctors and reduced coverage at the Marumba Harden District Hospital. Murrumbah, Harden District Hospital. A shortage of doctors in regional towns has been highlighted by recent tragic incidents in Wellington, Coola, Tumut, Grenville, West Wyalong, and there was even recently a death, unfortunately, in Gulgong. Why? Well, apparently there was no doctor at the bloody hospital. It's not good enough. It is shocking to see elderly residents losing their homes at short notice and small communities work hard to attract and retain local doctors but they're unlikely to stay if the service doesn't stay open. The ripple effect of any decision like this could have tragic consequences. The lack of support has seen doctors leaving and hospitals left unstaffed in several towns. Residents in Harden feel and fear that their town will be next. Local members Steph Cook and Michael McCormack should be doing everything they can to ensure that elderly residents aren't evicted and the town's doctors can stay. Well, what does Steph Cook have to say about this? A New South Wales Parliament Upper House Committee is currently investigating the government's management of regional, rural and remote health care as we know. There are too many tragic stories of families losing loved ones because they were failed by a health system that is too sick to cope. Steph Cook, Michael McCormick, over to you. You can't stand back and hope the private market steps in given the potentially dire consequences for the towns. You need to work with the local community and keep the doors open, absolutely. 
If you want to have your say on this, 13 12 69, the telephone. Yeah, you're listening to Australia's only contemporary news talk radio show. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, today, by the way, marks one year since the first cases of COVID-19 were recorded in our country. One year we've had COVID now. 12 months of living with this nightmare. Health experts want the government to pass new laws to tackle vaccine misinformation on social media. <laughs> well, we could start here. We look at how carbon capture technologies work and why they are so controversial. That's a few of the stories spinning around today. Uh, but as the debate rages over how we celebrate our national holiday tomorrow, or if it should be celebrated at all, less than a third of people surveyed in a, a campaign that's been ongoing for the last few days, less than one third of Australians support the campaign to change the date of Australia Day from January 26. This is the Ipsos poll for the Herald. It found just 28% of 1,222 people questioned on their views were in favour of shifting the date, while 48% were opposed and a further quarter neither agreed nor disagreed. What about those against? Well, some say the date will make the date will not make any difference. That's a Melbourne woman in her 50s says you can't change history. You can only learn from it and grow and move forward. Meanwhile, a 23-year-old from Perth says changing the date would only cause more tension. Moving a date would not address all the problems. We need to go a lot deeper. What about those who are for the change of a date? A 31-year-old from Dremoyne in Sydney, Chloe Spillane, says... She hasn't celebrated Australia Day on January 26 for the past couple of years. She thinks Australia Day should be celebrated at some point, but not on that day when it reminds the First Nations people of this country of quote-unquote Invasion Day. I think it's quite ignorant to keep celebrating a day when we know how much pain has been caused. That's one of those for the change in date. That's Chloe. She's age 31. Look, the poll shows a generational divide. 47% of people aged 18 to 24 back changing the date. So nearly half of young Australians, by this Ipsos poll, nearly half of young Australians want to change the date, compared to 19% of those over 55. And despite only a minority backing a new date, 41% agreed it would improve Indigenous Australians' lives. Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back to the program on this Monday. It is Australia Day Eve on January 25 at nine after seven. We'll go to your emails in just a couple of moments. But I see the New South Wales Secondary Principals Council are calling on the Education Department to address a staffing crisis across our state. We have around 1,200 teaching vacancies as younger teachers are avoiding hard-to-teach schools. Well, the New South Wales Secondary Principals Council President is Craig Peterson, and I'm happy to say that Craig's on the program. Morning, Craig. Good morning, Marcus. Look, a couple of days before school starts and principals are struggling to find enough temporary teachers to fill more than 1,200 permanent vacancies. 
Yes, absolutely. Even as we're speaking, there'll be principals in in, uh, in the schools not enjoying the last couple of days, their holidays, because they they just can't get enough permanent or casual or temporary teachers to, to fill some of those vacancies. And we've got to get this in perspective. 1,250 teachers out of our entire workforce is a pretty small amount. It's only about 2%. So the department are doing a great job with what they've got. We simply haven't got enough teachers to fill those those positions in those schools. 1,250 positions, That's a, we've got about 2,200 public schools in New yeah. South Wales. So, you know, the figures aren't large, but the impact is. Well, it is. I mean, principals this week will be forced to increase class sizes, maybe even scrap some subjects because there aren't enough teachers. Look, that's a possibility. It would be something that a principal would be very loath to do, uh, unless, and that would be an absolute last resort. Uh, in the first instance, they'll draw upon their local casuals if they've got casuals that they can draw upon locally. And, you know, as I say, staffing, uh, the staffing department, uh, the staffing unit within the department is doing an amazing job at, at filling vacancies. But you can, you can only fill a vacancy if you've got a body to put into that position. And we need the best teachers in our classrooms to make sure we're getting the best results for all of our kids, regardless of where their school's located. Now, these shortages are apparently spread across the state, but are most concentrated in the Metro North school zone. That encompasses the Northern Beaches, the Hills District and Mount Truitt, where there were 236 vacancies, as well as the rural South and West zones, including Albury, Wagga and Queanbeyan, where there are 194 vacancies. Are these in some of the, for want of a better word, uh, more difficult schools? The vacancies, Marcus, are spread right across the state and, and right across the full context of schools. So we've certainly got some schools in isolated, rural, remote locations where it's very difficult to get teachers, uh, partly because of, uh, well, largely because, because of the geographical isolation. We've got some schools in socially disadvantaged um, areas of the city, um, but schools on the northern beaches aren't socially disadvantaged. They're not geographically isolated, but the cost true. of living there is too excessive for a teacher and co- the commute is a problem for us. Well, that's true, isn't it? Uh, are we headed towards a bit of a, a crisis here? Uh, I mean, why can't we fill these vacancies with full-time teachers? Why do we have to keep relying on, I don't know, uh, permanent, uh, permanent uh, teachers? Uh, I beg your pardon, uh, part-time teachers, if you like. Yeah, look, it's, it's a really complex issue, Marcus. Um, one of the one of the problems is simply teacher supply. We're not getting enough suitably qualified uh, teachers coming out of universities across the broad range of subjects that we need. So in maths, science and technology in particular, it's very hard to find trained teachers coming out in sufficient numbers. So that's part of the problem. Part of it's around teacher workload and the changing nature of the job. The, The demands we're placing on our classroom teachers are greater now than they've ever been. And some people who come into the profession simply find the work too demanding, uh, excessive, and they, they find other opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. Part of it, sorry, is also around the, the changing nature of the way we um, staff and fund our schools, where we may have funding provided for short-term programs where we can't employ a permanent teacher, so we need to be using our local casuals to fill these temporary positions, which then means we don't have casual teachers for short-term relief when someone's sick or on leave. Mm. And that's where the equity funding comes in to create new permanent teaching positions. But, of course, they have to guarantee the position will be ongoing indefinitely. Uh, So that's obviously why it's led to hiring temporary and casual teachers on short-term basis in in case the needs of the student body change. 
Look, that can certainly be an issue, and uh, it, it's one of the one of the few downsides of the equity funding. The equity funding is great and allows the principal and their local community to determine what the needs of their students are, uh, rather than a one size fits all formula across all two thousand two hundred public schools. However, it does place demands on those. Uh, Casual temporary teacher position, yeah. Um, yeah so that, that that is an unintended and a negative outcome of that uh, policy. All right, good to have you on the program, Craig. I appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure, Marcus. All right, there he is, Craig Peterson, who's the president of the New South Wales Secondary Principals Council. Well, what do you make of it? Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Are, are your kids going to a school whereby there is a sh- a, a teacher shortage? I mean, the surge of demand for temporary and casual teachers to fill vacancies in the permanent workforce will always make it hard for schools, particularly this year, to find relief teachers. The government, as we know, has committed to hiring some 5,500 additional tutors to help disadvantaged students catch up on learning they lost during COVID-19. That'll also have some bearing on... Uh, you know, the uh, the lack of teachers, it'll compound the crunch, absolutely. And according to Education Department spokespeople, the tightening of teacher availability in certain areas of the state can be put down to significant growth in teacher demand and differences between the location of teaching positions and the locations in which teachers are willing to work. Well, I mean, quite clearly, Craig said, You know, if you look at the Northern Beaches, on a teacher's salary, hello, not real easy to live up there, uh, given the cost of living. Anyway, 131269, the number to have you... Australia's only contemporary news talk radio program. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, we're off to the newsroom in a moment at 7.30, 6.30 Queensland time. Don't forget, we're here until midday today, but next Monday, the John Laws Morning Show returns and we'll be back to our normal uh, operation of hours five till nine on The Breakfast Show. Uh, I haven't got time for Mick now. We'll have to grab Mick after the uh, 7.30 news if we can just, because I don't want to rush him. Health experts are urging the federal government to pass a law which would monitor coronavirus vaccine misinformation on social media. The Doherty Institute in Melbourne wants the government to keep a list of the most popular virus-related material being shared on platforms. They say a continually updated list would allow health experts to identify and understand misinformation. Well, they need to look no further than Craig Kelly's Facebook. Marcus Paul in the morning. Please explain. Please explain. Call Marcus now. 13 12 69. All right, Mick is there on the open line. Hello, Mick. How are you? I'm well, Marcus. How are you this morning? All right, thank you, boss. Uh, at 25 to 8, what did you want to say? Mate, many years working in and around the education system, I can tell you it's no surprise that Western Sydney is like this. It used to be policemen, sadly, we would say, go to work and get spat at, bashed, threatened. Families come and threaten them after hours. Their cars get trashed. This is now the job description of a New South Wales teacher in a high school in the western suburbs of Sydney. It's a very sad thing, and the schools can do nothing about it, really. They're powerless. What's happened is we have generations of these enclaves in Sydney, huge social problems, minority enclaves, large families where no-one has ever had a job. That's the secret to it, is the job. You get paid more for not having a job when you've got a very large family. Unemployment is what does it all. 
The young people have nothing to look forward to in life. They think this is their life. And the parents... What, what can the schools do about it? The government and the parents won't do something about it. Well, that's the schools true. have those children for several hours a day and hand them back to those communities mm. where it's just... There's no self-respect in many of them. A lot of them are great, hard-working families. They're trapped in these communities. What can a teacher do? Would you Have you seen the size of some of these young people in these enclaves in Western Sydney? I have. The young boys and girls? Yep, I have. And you've got a, a teacher fresh out of uni goes in there to be threatened and manhandled by them. Of course they won't go in there. Well, that's Who is the going to go and educate those children? Well, that's true. That is the problem I have known of... Uh, school principals around Emerton, uh, those sorts of areas, Bidwell, uh, elsewhere, where they found it extremely difficult to to have teaching staff come into these communities. Some last a you know a matter of only weeks before they but decide. The schools no. can do nothing. The mm. schools can do nothing about. It. They can do very little. I wouldn't say they can do nothing, but they can do very little when the government keeps building these enclaves of people, and we know the key to everything. I heard someone talking recently about the keys to um, bridging the gap in Indigenous communities. It's all employment. It's jobs, jobs, jobs. You'll then have better educated kids. You'll have better health outcomes. You'll have better everything when people are working. When you continue to pay someone more to have 10 or 12 kids and they get to go to work, um, give them a big Toyota coaster to drive them around, why would they work? Well, really, it's a very, it's very good very point. Sad. All right, great call, Mick. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, morning to everybody. Breakfast with Marcus Paul at breakfast. Ready to go. Call Marcus now. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. All right. Very soon, uh, Nikki Faye joining us on the program. Uh, Nicole, of course, our social media expert. Uh, now, I want to find out what we need to do to promote Australia Day on our socials. What sort of ideas? What should you be communicating, etc.? We'll do that. With Nikki in just a couple of moments right now, Keith Urban and Pink together. One too many on Marcus Paul in the morning. One too many, Marcus Paul in the morning. I've had one too many. Give me a call, 13 12 69. Before we go socially speaking with Nicole, let's go to James. Hello, James. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Marcus, and you're looking well. Thank you, mate. Um with, in regards to Australia, you're never going to get appease everyone, right? You can never please all the people all the time, so I usually just stop it. But my main concern is, is just in a price wrote over the weekend, yeah. um, what changing the date, how is that going to help an Aboriginal community? Why don't these people, instead of marching down the streets, turn around and say, no, we're going to go out and spend a month or a few weeks out there ed- reading, helping the kids read, helping the kids write, doing some teaching with them doing talking with them and helping them rebuild their houses or whatever. Why don't they out there actually doing something and just standing there walking around the street saying invasion day, invasion day, change the day? Well, it's not going to help anyone. All right, thank you. Kim, are you there? Yes. Hello, Kim. What did you want to say, mate? Hi, I have a little poem. I think it's appropriate for Australia Day. All right. I, I love a sunburned country with chops and snags and trips. <laughs> Kangaroos and Holden cars, I'd love this place to bitch. Camping by the river, swimming in the sea. Aussie, 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 this wide brown land for me. Because I'm a flaming Aussie, I take things in my stride. If you don't like it here, then bugger off goodbye. 
because we Aussies all have Australian pride. Thank you. That's uh, not bad. Not bad. Thank you, mate. Uh, we might play that back a little later on the Lawsy Show. Uh, and what I am going to play very soon, too, is the Hey-ya version of Australia. I think we've got it somewhere. We'll find it in just a moment. Uh, just quickly before I go to Nikki again, um, for socially speaking, Jacinda Price over the weekend at my earlier caller mentioned that she made some ver- uh, some very valid comments. Here's a, a summary of what Jacinda said. Remote and very remote Indigenous communities have become victims of a wicked problem, a combination of high-impact factors that, when pulled together, are having devastating effects on communities. Education and employment rates in remote and very remote Indigenous communities put them on par with countries such as Afghanistan, a nation devastated by 19 years of war. Poor health outcomes and severe overcrowding in housing is more reminiscent of sub-Saharan Africa than one of the wealthiest nations on earth. Meanwhile, crime occurs at over twice the rate of the typical Australian suburb. Violent assaults and domestic violence are common, leaving families in fear and streets looking like war zones. Using a thorough analysis of a wide range of data sources, a picture has been painted of a situation that is abhorrent and unacceptable. Were such conditions to exist in one of our major cities, it would be, quote-unquote, a national crisis. The dire situation presented by this data stresses the need for effective policy interventions more than ever before. So says Jacinta Price, ahead of Australia Day. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, socially speaking, with Nicole Fay, thanks to Local Edge Marketing. Morning, Nikki. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. I'm well. How are you? Oh, look, I'm okay. Uh, Look... Australia Day, as we know, is one of the most contentious dates now on our calendar, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Uh, how do you navigate, uh, you know, the, the minefield that could be social media on a day like this if you're running up, I don't know, say a business account or yeah. something? What do you do? Yeah. yeah, look, you're absolutely right there. And there really has never been years where it's more critical to ensure that your business communications around Australia Day are absolutely spot on. So I think my best advice today is to make sure that as a small business owner, you're really staying true to your brand and your business. And look, what can be a good idea is if you don't go in too deep about Australia Day and you perhaps maybe, you know, create it. It's a good way to get creative. Um, And you might want to take a look back at the history or um, you know, the story behind the business. You might be, you know, Australian um, made. You might have your products made here. You may employ an all-Australian workforce, for example. That's a really good point because you you steer away from the controversial aspects of of what it is and you perhaps generate some pride. You know, we have Australian-made products on this Australia Day kind of thing. Yeah, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. So I think being authentic, staying true to the brand and just communicating about about your team. And look, what's really important as well is making sure that you actually use that communications piece as a tool to let your customers know if you are, you know, you're closed on the public holiday. Um, I know, Marcus, you and I may be two of the only people working today, it feels like. Um, <laughs> yes. Whereas, you know, a lot of Aussies took the Monday off. Yep. Make sure that your customers know that today yep. on your socials. 
good Pop point. Pop up a gentle reminder, you know, with some iconic Aussie imagery, some kangaroos in a field. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's such a great way to get creative um, and just keep keep to the point of what you want to communicate about your business. And I personally wouldn't stray too much further off that. No, Definitely exactly. not for business. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's different for me. I, you know, we're after, we're in the business of getting, getting reactions and boy, do we of do course. that on my account. But uh, yes. look, yes, I think if you're running a business, <clears throat> the best thing, safest thing is to try yeah. and not get into the politics of Australia Day. Certainly not. No. It may backfire Look, on you. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. Look, save it for your personal accounts um, or, you know, keep to yourself, talk amongst your friends. But with your business and your brand, it's really important that you stick to your strategic comms that you have in place for the business. Um, and you definitely don't pull it into anything a little bit too um, murky or controversial. The yeah. last thing you want to do is upset any of your customer base because that's lost money. Well said. All right, Nikki, where do we go yeah. for some uh, great advice, tips, et cetera, on social media? Perhaps, uh, you know, you're looking for somebody to look after your socials. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, look, we do it all day long. You can head to <laughs> Local Edge Marketing. You can simply Google us. You yep. can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram Always happy to help. Got a brilliant team. All right. Good to catch up, Nikki. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Marcus. Have a good day. You too. There she is, Nicole Fay from Local Edge Marketing. She's our social media expert on the program.
Oh. We're not perfect, but I love this joint. I really, really do. 13, 12, 69. Marcus Paul in the morning. Hello, Adam. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? All right, thanks, Adam. What's on your mind? Well, just a little news to distract you from the whole Australia day, Michael. You know, um, Alistair Coe, the one we've been talking about last year, he's um, he's resigned. Yes, I saw that. Coe is gone, one of the youngest uh, serving politicians in the country. Uh, He had an unsuccessful stint. Uh, running in the last election. Uh, he's a Liberal down there in the ACT, and unfortunately for Coey, you know, it's like pushing, you know what, up a hill, particularly in yeah. Canberra. Very progressive. They love their Chief Minister, Andrew Barr, in Canberra. They really do. Yeah. I just think that this would be a opportunity for the Libs now to try and reinvent themselves more with uh, Elizabeth Lee now that their most arch-conservative within the caucus has decided to pull out, but we'll see. Oh, mate, I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't think a Conservative government will win in Canberra um, unless they (laughs) radically alter uh, their stance. I learned that the hard way, doing Conservative radio in Canberra. What do we rate? Bloody 3%. Does not work. A little over three. I think I was up around seven or eight by the time I left the joint. But anyway, hello, Rita. How are you? I'm very well, Marcus. And yourself? Good, thank you, Rita. What's on your mind? Oh, well, I'm glad you survived yesterday. So did I. I was out west as well. (laughs) So hot. And last night I tossed tossed and turned. I even had the fan on, but I still had a a shocking night's sleep, I think. Well, I, I, uh, we, we, were, we were coming home and it was like 39 degrees when I left my mum's place out at Maryland. Yeah. And as we were coming over to the northern beaches, because it's where I live, the temperature, by the time we got home, it was like 30 degrees. But it was, we had a beautiful, cool breeze last night, so we managed to get a little bit of sleep. So, yeah. But um, I just wanted to talk about that great song you just played. That is fabulous. Oh, you like that, do you? The oh, Australia yeah, parody. around the bedroom here. It's so cool. How creative. It's very good. Well, you haven't heard it before. No, I hadn't. Has it been out? Oh, has it been out before? Has it? Oh yes. Uh, it's oh. it's a a parody done to the song of Hey Ya, and it, obviously it's very Australian. I'll play it again before we knock off. Okay. Oh great! Thank you so much, Marcus, and you have a great day tomorrow. And to all the uh, Tristan people, have a great Australia Day. I love it. Very kind of you. Thank you. Friday 13, 12, 69, uh, I see Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy MP, Bob Catter. Yep, the bloke with the hat. He's calling on the government to address the ongoing suicide crisis in the veteran community. I mean, he and Jackie Lambie, in my opinion, are the two that are doing the most work in this space. There are now more veterans dying because of suicide when they come out of the army than there are soldiers dying in combat. I mean, that should tell you there's something absolutely abhorrently wrong. Mr. Catter says the Department of Veterans Affairs needs to be more involved. Look, we've got a call in to Bob Catter. Hopefully we'll be able to speak to him at some point, even if we get him this, afternoon, uh, this morning, I should say, during the Lawsy Show. 13, 12, 69. Look, Mark's come back uh, in relation to some comments that he made earlier that I read out. And, I, you know, he was referring to a... A television program uh, that's shot in the Northern Territory, 
Northern Territory Cops, where they highlight, obviously, um, uh, some very unsocial behaviour from a range of people, not only Indigenous, uh, but a range of people. Marcus, I understand what you say about being reality television, but in one part of this show, they were looking for an Aboriginal man that had stolen a woman's handbag. The thing is, the police went to all these different houses looking for him, and they all looked the same. Trashed. Well, they just have no pride with anything. Uh, Look, I don't want to go through all of this, um, because, again, it's divisive. Anyway, Mark goes on. Um, I'll try and edit out some of the bits that he's mentioned that may offend people. The show isn't to put a bad light on Aboriginals. It just shows you the trouble the police have in the Northern Territory, and the most people making the trouble just happen to be Aboriginals and half-castes. These people whinge about Australia Day or Invasion Day, as they call it, but what do they do about the young Aboriginals killing themselves? Uh, The many rapes of young Aboriginal children as young as two, and the way these Aboriginal people live instead of whinging. All right, well, look, I see what you're going to say here, and uh, look, some people argue along those lines as well, but let's be perfectly honest, it's not just Indigenous people who offend and rape and all the rest of it. But yes, your point is valid, but I go back to what I was mentioning. I wouldn't get my information from Northern Territory cops. It's bad, trashy reality television. It's not realistic, surely not. All right, 131269, the telephone number. Welcome back to the program. It is a Monday. It's January 25, a day ahead of Australia Day. New research released today by Headspace National Youth Mental Health Foundation has found young people in the critical age groups 12 to 14 and 18 to 21 are reporting significant increases in feelings of isolation. The findings revealing a substantial uplift since the data was last recorded back in 2018 come as young people come as young people in these age groups enter into marginal major transitional periods in their lives with a return to school, study and work happening over the coming weeks. Many young people ages aged 12 to 14 will be starting secondary school for the first time, while those aged 18 to 21 may well be shifting into work or further study. Now, the executive director of Headspace, the clinical practice, said young people, her name is uh, Vicky Ryle, by the way, she says young people in these age groups may need additional support from parents and carers as the impacts of COVID-19 are still being keenly felt. You want to have your say on that, 13, 12, 69? I mean, I, I guess it is worrying to see young people in these age groups recording increased feelings of isolation. It's likely that 2020 caused major disruptions to their year with these young people feeling disconnected from newly formed friendships or new ways of life. In addition, the usual support structures at schools, workplaces and further education have in place were compromised during 2020 due to COVID, leaving many young Australians with fewer opportunities to access support when they might have needed it. Okay, Jacinta Price will be our guest on the the show just after the 8.30 news. So Jacinta Price is coming up, the Deputy Mayor of Alice Springs. Barry, hello there. How are you? 
Good morning, Marcus. Morning, Barry. Um, I'll give you an oversight of what happens on my day. I wake up at five or six o'clock in the morning, look over, and my wife is still there. So it's a good day. Straight up, it's a good day. <laughs> good, I'm glad then she's still there. I, I feel so lucky. Yes. Anyway, then I turn the radio on, and, and there's my mate Marcus there. And... On the start of the day, I had a subject I'd like to talk about, and then you throw all these other little subjects up, and there's not enough time in the day to discuss them all with you, Marcus. But what I would like to say today is that the change of date, Mm. why are we discussing a change of date? Isn't it something that happened on this day in history? When I went to school... There was a history class, I don't know whether there still is or not, but there was a history class and it all used to be about dates of major events that happened in the world forever. It was all about things that happened in the past. So have we been telling a lie about the 26th of January that, it should not be called Australia Day, and what day would be suitable to hold Australia Day? Do we change all the global events that happen, change their dates as well? Well, look, I don't know. I really don't. I would prefer to leave it where it is. I think we have enough other days that recognise, on our calendar, that recognise Indigenous Australians. Um, I don't know. Um, the division, I understand where it comes from, and I appreciate both sides of the argument. I really, I really, really do. However, uh, if we keep mulling over history, we can't change it. Uh, but by the same token, we need to understand and at least appreciate where uh, the other train of thought is coming from. Uh, I mean, I am certainly progressive in my uh, my politics, um, you know, some might say that I'm probably a little too progressive. But, um, you know, whether you're conservative or otherwise, at the end of the day, we need to appreciate there has to be a way forward where Australians can unite on this occasion, being January the 26th or Australia Day. Uh, we've, we've seen in the news this morning that the ABC have come under fire because, you know, they or some of uh, their people refer to it as Invasion Day. I don't like uh, that term invasion day. I, I honestly don't. That's me. What do you? How do you feel about that? The use of that word, um, Marcus. It's it's just a word of convenience. Um, they the the other side opposition. We're not allowed to say Aboriginal people anymore because we we are. Well, you can on this program. racist. No, well, you uh, can on this program. I don't. Yeah, well, there, there's a a side that we you know. A lot of the time of our being here, we have bent over backwards trying to bring them into our society. We're throwing just so much money at the at the uh, at the problem, the supposed problem. Um, well, there's definitely a they problem. They choose not to want to be part of who we are because they obviously they need people to feel sorry for them. There's some outstanding Aboriginal people around and every time I hear them speak, I just think to myself, how how inspiring are they? They are very, very well-spoken, intelligent people, Mm. but unfortunately 
a lot of the other other people in their group don't want to assimilate Marcus. And, you know, that, that's just saying it how it is. All right. No worries. We'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. Alrighty, a quarter past eight, a quarter past seven in Queensland. Well, as we prepare to roll out a COVID-19 vaccine, health experts are urging federal parliament to pass new laws to combat misinformation on social media. The Doherty Institute is among several organisations to have signed an open letter calling for a live, real-time list of the most popular pandemic-related material being shared online. This list would be used by medical experts to identify and correct misinformation. What do you say to this? I mean, I'm all for free speech, but again, um, you know, regular listeners to this program would know that I don't allow misinformation in relation to COVID-19 being broadcast on my uh, programs, quite simply because I believe that it's dangerous and irresponsible. Look, with a rollout already underway overseas, digital vaccine certificates have been proposed as a way of allowing large numbers of international students back into our universities without the need to quarantine. There are around 164,000 international students enrolled in our unis who can't enter the country. The plan will rely on linking vaccine certificates to a new digitised system for incoming passenger cards to be rolled out this year. But I see Education Minister Alan Tudge stresses the scheme would depend on several conditions, such as the vaccine being able to stop the spread of the virus, in addition to the illness itself, which is not yet known. But the pandemic, uh, I guess the economic impacts of the pandemic, extend far beyond the tertiary education sector. According to an analysis by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, Around a million workers under 35 have cleared out the majority of their superannuation in order to stay afloat over the past year. Super funds and unions say this young cohort needs special attention and are calling on the federal government to hand out $5,000 to low-income earners to go toward retirement. Well, what do you make of that? I mean, uh, do you agree with that? Super funds and unions say the young cohort who've cleared out the majority of their super need special attention and there are calls on the federal government to hand out $5,000 to low-income earners to go toward retirement. Can we afford that? I'm not sure. Anyway, today uh, marks one year since the first cases of COVID-19 were recorded in our country and yesterday New South Wales recorded a full week with no local cases. So in order to keep this up, what we need to do is increase our testing. Unfortunately, um, the numbers of those getting tested over the weekend has dropped off. And we've got a couple of warm days on the way. Australia Day, public holiday tomorrow. It's going to be warm to hot in a, a number of areas. And look, authorities are probably rightfully concerned that there'll be a number of people who won't socially distance and that we may well see a spike in the number of cases. We can only hope not. Dennis, good morning. How are you? Morning, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, Dan. What's on your mind, mate? Mate, you were talking before about sitting at the table and having meals. Well, and yes. Talk. I mean, that's the the story from Headspace is that young Australians aged, let's just say on average, 13 
and 17 are feeling more isolated than ever. I don't understand why. Well, mate, when my grandkids come here, they sit at the table to eat. There's no walking into the lounge room. And when they come in the house, I've had a little box made. Yeah. It's got their names on it. Their mobile phones go in that box until they're going home. When, well, they, when they come in the door, they turn the phones on silent. Mm. So they can't hear them ring because they're forever on the phones instead of talking to Kathy and myself. Yeah. And I'd say, you come to visit Nana and Pop or you come to play on your phones. No, that's good. That's good. So, so I fix that situation by getting a little box made with their names on it. Yep. Walk in the front door, put your phone in the box. Mm. Put it on silence. You can't hear it ring. It's your birthday today, is it, mate? It is, mate. Happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, 74 today. Ooh, 74 years young. Yeah, 74 years young. Born how... in 40. Born in 47. Reverse it today. Okay, fair enough. And and how do the kids respond to, you know, you putting the phones in, in boxes? Oh, they got used to it. Yeah, okay. They had to. Was there a little bit of a, you know, a rebellion at first? Oh, yeah. Yeah? A couple of them didn't want to talk. Yeah, I'm sure. Said Pop was too hard. He's a hard man. Well, you know, I I think it's a good idea. Uh, I mean, if if younger people are feeling isolated, I would suggest social media's got a lot to answer for. But Mark, not young. The youngest twenty two. The oldest is thirty six. Oh, okay. <laughs> but wow. Even, even Kathy and myself have got a little compartment for the phone to go in. No, oh, fair enough. So they all go in there. See, maybe this is a big part of the problem, mate. Thank you, Dennis. Happy birthday to you. Take care. Thanks, mate, and I love the show. Thank you very much. Kind of you. Yeah, maybe this is a big part of the problem. Why uh, these new surveys, this new data is showing that, you know, there's a lot of increasingly isolated teenagers around Australia. Maybe because they've realised that, you know... Uh, <laughs> The virtual world, the social media world, isn't reality. Uh, It's a bit hard for your phone to talk back to you. If you feel you've got something to say, go and do it right away. Pick up the phone, get on the line. 13, 12, 69. I'm just reading this. I can't believe it. God, we spend a lot of money on uh, defence. Uh, you know, we're a, we're a non-nuclear country, so I just don't understand. The federal government will today announce $1 billion in funding to begin a project that will see the Navy fitted out with advanced guided long-range weapons to defend against maritime threats. Okay, we're going to spend a million bucks against potential maritime threats, that's fine. But, I mean, we're not nuclear-armed, our country. That's why I get so frustrated every time. And I'm not suggesting we should be. (laughs) I mean, we're at the, uh, you know, we're basically at the mercy of our allies who are nuclear-armed. Anyway, another billion bucks spent toward uh, more big missiles. That's probably why ScoMo was there last week with his missile in his hand. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren. Good morning, Christina. 
Good morning, Marcus. Welcome to Monday. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Ah, uh, look, I can't complain. It's Monday and Treasurer Josh Frydenberg assures us that shortages of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine overseas are unlikely to affect our rollout, I see. Yes, so you may have heard that Italy is currently threatening to sue Pfizer for breach of contract. And that's after the pharmaceutical giant announced that it was temporarily slowing supplies of its COVID-19 vaccine to Europe uh, to make some manufacturing changes. So Italy's argument is that it's drawn up its vaccination plan on the basis of Pfizer's contract with the European Commission and such delays are unacceptable. And there are several other European companies making similar complaints. And I'll also mention that the AstraZeneca, which is the vaccine candidate we have purchased the most of, it's cutting deliveries to Europe by 60%, also because of production problems. So both companies seem to have similar issues. Uh, the Treasurer, Josh Bidenberg, has sort of moved to reassure Australians that this will affect the government's plans for a national rollout of a COVID vaccine here. Yeah. And he told reporters yesterday that we're still on track to receive vaccines in mid to late February, so next month. And that, uh, that comes after Prime Minister Scott Morrison did cast a little bit of doubt on the rollout. He hinted on Friday that, you know, timeframes could change depending on impacts on production overseas. But it appears at this stage that there isn't any advice from the companies that there will be delays. And so perhaps the, the PM's just sort of covering all corners. I will mention that the Pfizer vaccine candidate, which is the one we have enough of to vaccinate 5 million people, that has to be brought in from overseas while the AstraZeneca candidate will be manufactured here in Australia. Yeah. So it's really only five for one that would be a, a bit of a worry at the moment. All right, now uh, let's have a look at uh, what... The Morrison government is announcing its commitment to two international climate change agreements, which could stoke some tensions within the coalition. What's this about? Yes, so Environment Minister Susan Lee will be announcing today that Australia is going to be signing two new agreements. And the first one commits Australia to joining the Coalition for Climate Resilient Investment, uh, which is an initiative uh, for the upcoming UN Climate Conference in Glasgow that's happening in November. And uh, the Coalition aims to basically integrate climate risk assessment when it comes to investment decision-making. And the second group we've got joining is the Call for Action, Raising Ambition for Climate Adaptation and Resilience. Uh, which is an agreement spearheaded by the UK and, and signed by 118 countries, and that also makes a similar commitment. So it's about uh, putting climate risk at the centre of decision making. Uh, right. So those commitments will be announced today by Ms. Lee. But uh, the reason the, the these announcements have really stoked some tensions is that uh, some government members have been voicing some very strong criticism of banks who are making the same kind of commitments. So you may have heard that National MP George Christensen, alongside Resources Minister Keith Pitts, have both been upset that. Banks are pulling back on lending to mining projects because of climate risk. And uh, Mr. Christensen is actually trying to set up a parliamentary inquiry to grill some of these organisations over their lending and investment decisions. So okay. you can imagine that Mr. Christensen won't be too happy that his government is now making similar commitments to the one he's been criticising banks for. All right, just quickly, uh, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, claims he is willing to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping if there are no conditions... Yes, this is a story being reported by News Corp this morning, and the Prime Minister says that he's uh, open to meeting with China's leaders, including President Xi Jinping, as long as there's no reconditions uh, for restarting the dialogue. And that's, of course, with a view of working out the tensions that have been plaguing the relationship with China. And um, Mr. Morrison did comment on the, the list of 14 grievances the Chinese embassy released. Um, uh, that includes uh, negative media coverage and foreign interference yeah. reforms. Uh, but Mr. Morrison says he, he won't be sort of meeting any of those conditions just to set up a dialogue, but he is open to, to having discussions.
All right, Christina, thank you. We look forward to hearing your reports today across the Super Radio Network. Thank you. We'll talk tomorrow. Thank you. All right, Christina in the capital, Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, 8.30 news, 7.30 in Queensland, just a couple of moments away. And then I want to talk about this wonderful new policy paper written for the Indigenous Research Program at the Centre for Independent Studies by Jacinta Price. Worlds apart, remote Indigenous disadvantage in the context of wider Australia. It's a good read, but it's certainly a disturbing read. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning, 13, 12, 69, the telephone number to have you say. Uh, it was a great chat with Jacinta Price, I thought. I'll play a little bit back of uh, some of her best points uh, when we take over the Laws show. Uh, well, not too far away, just after 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock Queensland time. Really good email from Colin that I want to share with you before we take a break. G'day, Marcus. I have four children that have gone through Emerton Public School and one daughter that's in the high school. We've lived here for 20 years. Everyone works. We own three houses outright, don't have debts, credit cards and have sufficient funds in the bank. We have neighbours at Lethbridge Park that are in a similar position. Large proportion of the Mount Druid area these days is privatised. The Housing Commission has sold off plenty and there's just one here, there and uh, along a street now. This 10 or 12 kids, haven't seen that, mostly just a few. Um, Everton has the best new shopping centre around now, as well as other facilities. The area is being taken over for the size of the blocks of land these days. Very little for sale. I enjoy the show, Marcus. Thank you, Colin. That's a really good email. And look, yes, I was hoping somebody from Western Sydney would ring up and defend them. Um, Look... It's fair to say there are still areas of disadvantage out there around Emerton, Colleton, in that general area around Mount Druitt. But having said that, I mean, all you need to do really these days is take a train ride between Parramatta and Penrith. You can see very clearly, very clearly, the amount of housing developments that are taking off along the rail corridor. Older homes, I mean, I have friends that have blocks of land with old homes at St Mary's with developers knocking on their door offering them millions of dollars because the blocks are so bloody big. I mean, if you own a block of land in Mount Druitt, St Clair, St Mary's, Colleton, Emerton, these sorts of areas, you're literally sitting on a gold mine. Anyway, uh, thank you for that. Appreciate it. 13 12 69, the telephone number. All right, very soon um, after the uh, news, we'll come back with the John Laws Morning Show. We've only got a week or so to go of Lawsy, and then John himself will be back, uh, of course, next Monday, being the first day of, uh, of February. Meantime, we're actually on air again tomorrow for the breakfast show. We'll be through six till midday for Australia Day tomorrow. Oh, for my caller as well, uh, that rang earlier and asked for me to replay that national anthem of Australia. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's great. Uh, Done to the song Hey Ya. I'll play it during the Lawsy Show after 9 o'clock. All right. News next. Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws. Call 13 12 69.
Okay, good morning and welcome to a brand new working week. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, this is the last week we're on for John Laws, the king of Australian radio. We'll be back this time next week. Uh, we're looking forward to welcoming Lawsy back. Yep, he'll be back for his 70th year of broadcasting. 70th year of broadcasting. Amazing. Anyway, one more week. So give us a call. Let's talk Australia. There's plenty on. 13 12 69 if you'd like to have you say. If you want to send me a text number, it's the same one you text to Lawsy. 0458 049 209. And of course, if you would like to send me an email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. That'll get directly through to the studio here at, uh, at 2SM Sydney as we broadcast around Australia on the John Laws Morning Show. Monday, January 25, 2021. It's Australia Day Eve, or is that Invasion Day Eve? And already the ABC is under fire from the Murdoch press. Well, oh, and everybody else. Well, predictable. Well, it's a distraction. Why? There must be something going on somewhere. Some governments are up to something. I don't know. George Brandis can seem to holiday here in Australia while thousands of others are stranded overseas. But let's not worry about that. Let's worry about what Auntie says or a couple of journos on Auntie say. Who gives a stuff? I mean, have you ever tuned into Sky After Dark? Well, they're just as extreme, just the other side of things. Anyway, thousands of Australians are stranded around the world, desperate to book flights home. Time and time again, they get cancelled. But our High Commissioner in London, Bookshelves Brandis, <laughs> managed to get home for Christmas and the summer. I mean, sorry, this is a bigger story than Artie's Ausday rift, which is more rubbish from the Murdoch press. Isn't it the core responsibility of the High Commissioner in London, George Brandis, to look after Australians living in London? There are thousands of them still trying to get home. (laughs) Good on you, George, as long as you're all right, mate. Mm. Uh, Look, I see the uh, New South Wales Police Commissioner, David Elliott's, can't help but play politics, David. You're better than this. Stay out of it, Uh, in my opinion. He claims the national broadcaster is partly responsible for inciting protests which are due to take place tomorrow. I'm sorry, David, even if there was no ABC, people would still be protesting. It's their right to do so and and it's going to happen again tomorrow. Let's just hope they are COVID safe. We live in Australia. We're unable to, you know, we're allowed to protest. Um, I wish we were protesting over other things, but, you know, it's not my decision as to people what they want to protest. I'd love a protest against, I don't know, exorbitant taxes, tolls that continue to go up and up and up and up. 
Anyway, the Indigenous Affairs Minister Ken White says that he believes January 26 should be referred to as Australia Day. Warren Mundine, an Indigenous leader and former Liberal candidate, has said the name change only further divides society. Blah, blah, blah. Every single bloody year we go through the same rubbish. And that's why I would prefer to talk to somebody who has actually done some real work and some real research into this whole issue. A brilliant policy paper has been written called Worlds Apart, Remote Indigenous Disadvantaged in the Context of Wider Australia by Jacinta Price. Here is what Jacinta had to tell me this morning on my breakfast show. It's just a succinct summary of her point of view. It doesn't have any meaning for me. And, of course, you know there are those who will view the day as they wish, and that is a choice that they have. I mean, they're privileged enough to have that choice to think in that particular way. I, I feel as though we have one day in our year where it's for everybody. You know, there are 11 days for Indigenous Australians and a whole week called NAIDOC Week for Indigenous Australians for recognition. You know, and this is... Australia Day is the most popular day for people to become citizens, to make this place their home as well. This is about them and the lives that they've built here. And some people come from really, really devastating circumstances, from war-torn nations to make this place their home. And it's an insult to them that they don't have the opportunity to celebrate on this day because others want to jump up and down and use the term Invasion Day. And, you know, it's, it's the day back in 1949 where we all became citizens of this country and no longer British subjects. So it is significant in that regard as well. But it is a choice that people are making to call it Invasion Day, to focus on what they think the day represents to them. But don't import, impose that on the rest of Australia. Let the rest of Australia do what they want to do. Happy Australia Day for tomorrow. Well, it's going to be around 40 degrees in some parts. Australia. That's how we roll. It's hot. It's the middle of summer. And I hope you're trying to stay cool wherever you're listening to us. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Anyway, I just thought I'd start with that today. I really don't want to get bogged down on the whole culture wars debate, please. Anyway, give me a call if you want to talk about it. But, um, you know, do we have to have the same conversations day in, day out in relation to Australia Day? Meanwhile, there are renewed warnings for beachgoers as a heatwave remains across southeastern states. There's been four drownings in New South Wales in the past week. You know, we've had, what is it now, 25 days of this year so far, and 24 people have drowned. Almost one a day. Please, please take it as easy as you can around our waterways. It's important to swim at patrol beaches between flags And absolutely, get off the grog if you're going to go for a swim. There are calls for the federal government to hand out superannuation contributions for low-income earners who access their retirement savings during the pandemic. One million young Australians withdrew a majority of their savings, with unions warning the age group now needs special assistance. The Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees has suggested $5,000 super contributions from the government for those who make less than 40 grand a year and who withdrew from their funds. Well, yes, absolutely. I agree with this. The more I, at first glance, I was like, "Mm, really? Five grand? We're handing it out willy nilly. 
Look, the government maybe should have seen this coming when they introduced the early access scheme. What do you say? I mean, this is a big issue. I think it is. Should the government make a payment of $5,000 for young Australians who've had to take money out of their super just to get by during the pandemic? That is, for those earning under $40,000 a year. I mean, for goodness sake, how the hell can you live on forty grand a year? You must be still at home living with mum and dad, surely. I know it's tough. Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, has told the Australian he'd be willing to meet with China's president to discuss their list of 14 grievances they used to justify their attempted decimation of our economy. But he says he'll only meet President Xi if there are no conditions on restarting dialogue. He says if China requests the 14 grievances be met as a condition of the meeting, he won't engage in dialogue any time soon. Eh, all right. Look, I don't know. Can't we just send an envoy over? Include Penny Wong, maybe a few others. You know, do a mix. Labor, Liberal. Get some others involved and get some common sense and some dialogue happening here rather than this chesting, you know, this shirt fronting and BS that's going on. There's been an absolutely revolting attack on an elderly woman in Sydney's inner west over the weekend. Police have arrested and charged a 28-year-old man after he allegedly broke into a 92-year-old woman's home in Concord in Sydney on Saturday morning before physically and sexually assaulting her. He then fled like the coward that he is with a wallet and cash. A 92-year-old woman. 28-year-old man. She was able to activate her emergency medical alarm during the incident. Paul, I mean, I I don't get that. A 92-year-old woman being sexually assaulted by a 28-year-old man. I hope they catch him and string him up, to be perfectly honest. I know you can't say that, but I really do. String him up by the you-know-whats. In sports, in the cricket, the Sydney Sixers have fell from the top of the BBL ladder after the Hobart Hurricanes gave them their second straight loss, winning by seven runs. The Perth Scorchers are now in the top spot after downing the Melbourne Stars by 11 runs. Look, there was shock in Abu Dhabi's fight island yesterday afternoon when uh, Dustin Poirier... Is that how you say his surname? I don't watch it, but... He delivered a flurry of punches and knocked out Conor McGregor. I saw the photos of and the video of, Co- of Conor McGregor this morning. Um, and, yes, the internet has been absolutely merciless. It's a bit like when Anthony Mundine gets knocked out <laughs> and the memes start appearing everywhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, apparently the bookies didn't see this coming. Um was, is this Dustin Poirier not a good fighter or something? Anyway, good luck if you're on that and you won. There are more reports that the Japanese government doesn't want to host the Olympics this year after last week confirming a heavily restricted version would go ahead. Look, I think it's just ridiculous. Just can the things. Hold them off till next year, if we can. Or at least, I don't know, or at least until a vaccine's available or something. It appears Japan is being pressured heavily by the International Olympic Committee to host the Games, despite their government not keen on having a wave of international athletes enter their country. Could you imagine we were holding the Olympics in Sydney this year? Would we want to hold an Olympics in Sydney this year? I don't think so. 
Uh, and in the tennis, it looks like Ukraine's Danyana Yastromenska, is that right, will depart Australia without setting foot on court after an appeal against her provisional suspension was dismissed. Uh, oh, that's right, she is a drug cheat. The 20-year-old can go home. By the way, I'm just um, getting on top of this breaking news. The Prime Minister is currently speaking on national television. I might go to him. The Pfizer vaccine has been approved. The TGA says it meets safety, quality and all standards. So let's go to the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. So far, over the course of this summer, despite some very serious threats, working together we have so far been able to avoid and prevent a third wave of COVID-19 here in Australia. Now, we can take nothing for granted, as I said after the National Cabinet meeting on Friday, but that effort, whether it was in Brisbane with the uh, strain, the new strain that uh, be, had uh, been able to get outside the quarantine um, facilities in Brisbane and being able to move quickly and having been in Brisbane uh, late last week and there as the, the restrictions started to ease or having returned to Sydney on the weekend for the first time in about six weeks and to see how people continue to manage uh, with the uh, easing restrictions there and how they've been able to get on top of the outbreak and of course uh, the outbreak that also occurred in Victoria. Once again, systems tested. Once again, Australians tested. Once again, Australia and our systems have passed that test. And so I have a simple message to Australia. Thank you. Thank you, Australia. Thank you that you have put us in a situation that is the envy of most countries in the world today. We intend to keep it that way. We intend to remain vigilant. We intend to continue to set the pace and set the standards uh, by which we can ensure that we keep Australians safe and uh, we save lives and we save livelihoods, which have always been our twin goals. All right, I'll leave it there. That's the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. So just confirming that breaking news, the Pfizer vaccine has been approved. The Pfizer COVID-19 candidate has been cleared for use here in Australia. Welcome back to the program. I'll get to your calls in just a moment. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Now, the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine has been granted provisional approval by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. The federal government's confirmed the first vaccines were expected in late February, but they could now be pushed back to early March if there were delays in shipping or production. Provisional approval has been granted. For Australians over the age of 16, the vaccine will be administered in two doses at least 21 days apart. Now, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who we heard from a short while ago, said the TGA's approval was a pivotal step in protecting Australians from the pandemic. Uh, ScoMo said he welcomes the TGA's approval of the Pfizer vaccine with our own Australian experts finding it safe, effective and of a high standard. So there we go. The Pfizer vaccine has been granted provisional approval for use here in Australia. And look, all this comes as health experts urge the federal government to pass a law which would monitor coronavirus vaccine misinformation on social media. I mean, they don't need to look too far. Go to Craig Kelly for a start. That nutjob's been at it for months. The Doherty Institute in Melbourne wants the government to do a list 
of the most popular virus-related material being shared on platforms. They say a continually updated list would allow health experts to identify and understand this misinformation. Let's go to your calls. Hello, Bob. How are you, mate? G'day, Marcus. How are you, mate? Well, thank you, Bob. What's up? I was talking to a friend of mine not long ago about um, <clears throat> vaccines and that. Yeah. He reminded me that um, uh, that <clears throat> the government signed up for AstraZeneca to the tune of $1.7 billion back in September. Yes. Yep. Well, what happens to that deal? Where's... Is that going through? Do they have to pay that money or what? Well, there'll be... A, uh, so the problem is we need not only uh, the Pfizer vaccine, but we will also need the AstraZeneca one because the Pfizer one won't be enough. Uh, so, yes, I assume once it's approved by the TGA, just like this uh, vaccine this morning has been, then it will be readily available. Uh, will, will you be getting it, do you think, Bob? Well, mate, I'm getting mixed messages here because are they saying that both of these vaccines, Pfizer and uh, AstraZeneca, are uh, equally well, successful? No, there's no, do... well, the other one hasn't been approved yet, so don't worry about AstraZeneca for now. The Pfizer well, vaccine. They pay for it. They pay for it, yeah, mate. But don't worry about it at the moment. They pay, of course, they paid for it. They paid for it so that the research could continue into it and that it could be approved. Now, they've also paid for the other one, the Pfizer vaccine. That's been approved hmm. this morning. So I guess, yeah, my... well, mate, I don't know. Look, look, if someone gets sick or even dies, are the TGA up for liable suit? No, because some people, unfortunately, can die from getting the common flu jab. So, no, that's a ridiculous statement. Again, I think you're heading down the anti-vaxxer line, and I don't want to talk about it. Lyle, are you there? Lyle? Lyle, are you there? Wouldn't hold on. What about you, Steve? Good morning, Marcus. How are you, mate? All right, thank you, Steve. What's Uh on your mind? Yeah, mate, um, I just want to talk about uh, these uh, idiots that are, are rock fishing, mate. Like, this has been going on for a number of years now. And, like, I saw on the news the other night where those uh, rock fishermen uh, were washed off the rocks down at Port Kembla. Yeah. And, and um, like, they were fishing at 10 o'clock at night. Like, um, how can you keep your eyes on the swell, the approaching swell, at 10 o'clock at night? You can't see nothing. So... To me, that's just total madness. Like, um, and also, like uh, the authorities, like the, the water police, and all that, the resources, the, the the money and the time and effort it takes to um, and the helicopters uh, to yeah. rescue these people. Look, you're not going to stop rock fishing um, no, because no, it's I a know, very popular pastime. But I don't know what do we need police and uh, perhaps rangers out on days like we had over the weekend. Well, not the weekend. It wasn't too bad. But, of course, late last week, as we know, there were warnings and, um, you know... and calls for people not to go rock fishing because of the large swell. We had a, that's you know, right. yeah. Maybe and that's the option. I don't know. Maybe hefty yeah. vines. I mean, you and I can't park in a disabled spot, or you and I can't park somewhere if there's, you know, a special event clearway on or something, and we get big fines. 
Um, yeah. Why can't perhaps rock fishermen also score big fines if they're rock fishing when yeah. it's a dangerous surf, perhaps? That's right. Also, um, uh, just on uh, Facebook this morning, I saw mm-hmm. the same area where those people were drowned. There's guys fishing and they're getting uh, washed uh, along the rocks and there's people there telling them to get out of the water. Yeah. And one guy went back and they said, don't worry about your fishing rod, just get <laughs> Out of the out of the water, and he's gone back to get his yeah. his fishing rods, and he got washed off the ledge. Well, I shouldn't laugh because it's it is quite serious. And I mentioned earlier we've had uh, what we're into the twenty fifth day of twenty twenty one, and in New South Wales alone, we've already lost twenty four lives. I mean, almost one a day. Gee whiz, this Adelaide Hills bushfire is looking awful. It's a it's at watch and act alert. For Cherry Gardens, this fire, maybe you've seen the vision this morning on your television screens, but uh, the flames look quite severe. So good luck to them, Andrew Stark, uh, the CFS Deputy Chief Officer and and his team there have got their work cut out for them. Let's hope there's no loss of life and certainly no loss of property, but unfortunately, by the looks of it, there will certainly be loss of wildlife. 131269, the telephone number uh, has... Thank God for a reliable coal-fired power station, says Has. It was 34 degrees here in the valley yesterday where I live. Uh, it's here now and will probably go higher as the day and week progresses. Every house in my town has air conditioning and they were all humming along nicely all day and most of the night. I'll bet everyone in New South Wales did the same thing. Good old reliable coal-fired power stations that the Greens want to shut down as soon as possible but they kept things running smoothly. Well, yes, that's why I would always argue we need to keep reliable coal-fired power stations online while we also look at sourcing alternate renewable sources of energy. And we cannot rely 100% on renewable energy. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Stratfield Liverpool Road, Wallace Avenue, an accident involving a truck at eastbound left hand lane. Zetland Southern Cross Drive at Link Road, car breakdown southbound lane one and Ryan Lane Cove Road or Goulding Road, truck broken down northbound left hand lane. Get $20 off when you spend $200 online at Coles. Shop online now at coles.com.au and enter promo code LUNCHBOX at checkout. T's and C's apply. That's the latest traffic on 2SM1269. Finance Easy can help you through these uncertain financial times. Whether you need to get on top of bills, business loans, car loans, equipment finance, Finance Easy can take the stress out of finding finance with Australia's best rates. We are here to support the community. Chat to us online or over the phone and let us take care of everything. Visit financeeasy.com.au or call 1300-003-003. Finance Easy. That's E-Z-I. We make getting what you want easy. Welcome to Chili Pip Lounge Designs, where we custom make your lounge to suit your exact needs and style. Our factory and showroom are based in Sydney, made by Australians for Australians. Chili Pip specialises in lounges, sofa beds and ottomans. Choose your favourite fabric or leather. Feel safe with a 10-year warranty and over 20 years experience. Call Chili Pip Lounge Designs today and speak to one of our friendly staff on 1300 797 516. Chilipip.com.au 
Are you feeling stiff, sore and sorry and looking for something to target those aching and arthritic body parts? With its natural organic ingredients, Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel might help you. Always read the label, use only as directed, and if symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional. Look for Stiff Sore and Sorry Pain Relief Gel at pharmacies and health food stores everywhere. To find the location of your nearest Stiff Sore and Sorry stockist, go to loveoilcollection.com.au or phone Ray on 040 Peters of Kensington offers the ultimate shopping experience and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping in-store or online. Select from an abundance of fine quality products including kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, Peters themed hampers are a great idea for birthdays and other special occasions. Peters of Kensington, 57 Anzac Parade, Kensington. Or shop online at petersofkensington.com.au. It's never been more important to buy Australian than right now. Our local manufacturers and growers produce world-class products known for their quality, safety and reliability. All while generating local jobs, supporting our communities and helping Australian families now and into the future. So look for the trusted Australian-made logo to be sure it's authentically Australian-made. Visit australianmade.com.au The John Laws Morning Show returns February 1st. Hello, Sandra. How are you? Not too bad, Marcus. How are you on this fine day? Uh, not bad. Uh, Going to be stinking hot again today, I believe. I, I had a real... I had a real problem getting to sleep last night. I tossed and I turned, and even though I had a fan on me... Um, I had the aircon on, and it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. We had, we had it on out west yesterday out at Mum's. It was 41, well, 40 to 41 degrees when I hopped in the car and went and got some uh, bread rolls for lunch. 41 degrees, that's out there. Uh, Silverdale, Warragam, and not far from Penrith. It was a stinker. Absolute stinker. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> What's happening? Oh, well, I've just come across something um, recently. Uh, I don't think it gets talked about too much, and I think it should, because there's a lot of women out there and some men that don't know that there is actually help out there. You've just got to stick with it, and it's domestic violence. Um, a friend of mine got belted up by a partner. He's a new partner. He's in jail now, thank goodness. Um, but she bailed him out and got back with him. Yeah, Why? I don't know. It, it just blows my mind away. You love, know, like love is blind. Look at her room. Love is blind. You know, yeah, it's, it's. I don't even think it's love because he's hasn't spoken nice to her a day in, in his life, and yet I'm. I actually know him. I was friends with him, and then I met her through him. And um, did she rely on her mother? Yeah. Her mother won't help. Um, there's nobody there. She came to my place last night crying her eyes out the floor, darling. Oh, dear. So I offered her a room, and I said, Good. today we'll get onto it, and we'll fix you up and make sure that... Because she has nobody. Like, her family doesn't want to help her. The only people that want to help her is his family. Oh, dear. It sounds... Yeah, how, how old is this uh, this woman? She's 30. Okay, very young. Uh, yep. It sounds to me... Does she work... Oh, look, she did, and then the coronavirus happened. Okay. But she was also studying to be a lawyer. She's a very smart woman. Does she have children? 
She's got one little girl. Um, not with this bloke, though? Has she got... Uh, no, not with this bloke, no. See, my um, concern, Sandra, is she may well be staying with him because of, you know, for financial reasons. No, 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 because um, she was... Um, she had her own money. Um, she, she's got a little girl herself. Well, she doesn't have her now because they come and took her away. Oh, okay. Um, oh, yeah, and she's just right. in such a bad state, and I just wanted to let everybody know out there... If you don't find help in your area, keep looking because your area might be full, but in the next suburb, it might be free. Are you helping this woman, are you, Sandra? Yes, I am. Oh, yeah, good. I'm get her a, yeah, I'm going to get her a good solicitor. And, good. Yeah. I, I just I felt the need. I had to help her, you know. Like, I just felt obligated because the poor thing's just got nobody. Well, she's very lucky. Uh, when you say she has nobody, she has you. Uh, help you. help her get back on her feet, um, and and hopefully if she can get back to work, uh, save a little bit of money, get her own place, then she um, yeah. fingers crossed she may be able to get her daughter back in her life, and then move oh, that's on. Right. Yep. And yeah, tell and her that's... for God's sake to stay away from this bloke. Yeah. Well, he's in jail for quite some time at the moment. So All right. Well, then I think we might have a good chance with this good. one. <laughs> good. Good luck. All right. Thank you, Sandra. Right. Thanks, Marcus. Nice talking to you. All right, sweetheart. Bye bye. Thank you. And look. Um, yes, domestic violence. It's a major, major issue. And where you can try and reach out and help uh, young women, say, for instance, like Sandra has, and, and point out that there are options available. There absolutely are options available. Uh, and men. Men are also victims of domestic violence as well. Not as often as women, but they are victims. Let's try and help each other out. Ivana, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. How are you? Okay, thank you, Ivana. What's oh, Happy New Year. I haven't spoken to you yes, for a yes, while. Yes, Happy New Year. All the best. Sorry, I keep forgetting. I've said, I think one or two person there have said uh, Happy New Year, but I can't remember. I know Poppy, but there's one more person. I just can't remember who it was. I don't need the life story. Let's go. What yes, do you want to talk about, sweetheart? I've got a few things to talk about, if you don't mind. And please, uh, first of all, electricity. In where I am, you were just saying about air condition. Sorry, Marcus, because I, I, I don't, we don't have electricity town water in this, I mean, most of this town here, half of the town. Sorry, where and, are you? Oh, I thought you know, I told you. Oh, Lightning Ridge anyway. Oh, Lightning Ridge. So you've got uh, what? Uh, no, no electricity, no town water, and the, the road, I think if you drive here, you will never come back. Oh, well, it I... is that bad. Really? Well, what, are you, what are you living there for, Ivana, if it's so because, bad at Lightning Ridge? Because, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Because I had just about enough of the city life. Okay. I took this chance, uh, but that doesn't mean, because the rule here is that every time it rains, they should run the grader, but they have never done that for nearly four years. And they get the money from the government. This is Crown Land and Council. Four mayors in, in six years, four times change. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. I think people, the money they're paying for the electricity in yeah. town, I've just helped one family. I'm a pensioner. I'm 67. I have got neck, back, everything damaged from accident. But I have helped one family because they're struggling in Sydney because what happened was the, he had a job and the, uh, the, the bank blindly gave them uh, uh, five, uh, f- uh, sorry, 500,000, 560,000 worth of house. 
And uh, this poor family, he lost his job uh, the, with the virus. And so we are helping each other. What I did for them was this. I, I thought about it. I said, look, uh, Ivana, help him with the solar so the electricity will come down. So I have actually three days ago, yes. I have paid it off in about uh, two months, which the, that, uh, the company has cheated me, said 2600 but I end up paying 4200 and I got upset and whatever I had left for my toilet shower that I want to build because we do, I don't have toilet shower here and my toilet is outside. So I have paid that. What I suggest that people should put some panels because, because now after doing this, I'm listening to all these cheap, uh, I mean, uh, very cheap that government gives for solar. Well, I, I missed out on all that. Only all right. So, uh, I'm just trying to work out what... <laughs> What are you trying to tell me, Ivana? Is there a point I'm here? I'm trying or? to tell you that you just said you just said that everybody in Sydney had air condition. I I don't have air condition. Well, no, I, okay. I, I don't have light. I I use the uh, the battery light which I charge it because okay. I, I get the sun and that uh, that one gives me solar. See, I just charge my battery from solar and my fridge runs from that. Uh, I have gone without fridge for one year. And when I don't have, I don't put anything in the fridge, so I don't need the power. But here it is struggling life. But I will never move from here because I have one acre and I'm about, I think next year I will pay off. And if I went to cities, I can't afford it. I'm a pensioner, you know. And what the other thing I'm trying to say is this thing that people keep saying all the time that there's help out there. Well, put it this way. I've been here. This is my seventh year. I have not got help that I should get because they have taken the transport away because they say I'm no good. I want you to do one thing for yourself, you know, about me, but for yourself. Read Ivana Prashad Trustable Charity in your own time, and then you're going to say, did I just speak to that lady? Well, that's me. You will see my photo, Ivana Prashad Trustable Charity. All right, well, you sound like an absolute uh, character, Ivana. I know I've spoken to you before. It's been a while since we've uh, chatted. And let's leave it a while longer until we chat again. What on earth was all that about? You know, Walgett uh, isn't far from Lightning Ridge. Lightning Ridge itself has only 2,284 people. And most of them would have heard Ivana on that phone call without even having their radio on, I'm sure. All right. I love that. When Smokey sings. Uh, somebody sent me this. Um, it's soon to be... Uh, what's the best way of putting this? Soon to be honoured. Margaret Court. Um, I don't know what it is, but let's have a listen. What the hell is that? When Margaret speaks, we listen. What was that? Is that her preaching something? Hmm. All right, thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Dave, good morning. How are you, Dave? Good morning. Morning, Dave. Yes. Three cheers for Margaret Court. Uh, okay. Why? 
Well, for evil, the prosper, good men sit around and do nothing. Now, you cut off Ralph last week, you cut off Leone. And I'm about to cut you off because you're an idiot. No room for bigots on this program. No. Alrighty, 13, 12, 69. Rod, are you there, Rod? Yeah, mate. Yeah, good Hi, morning. mate. How are you? Good, great, great. Yeah, I, I sent you in that email. Oh, okay, so that's with this. Uh, this I don't, I've, got, I've got no idea. Hang on, let, let me play it again. I have no idea what she's saying, but let's hear it. You sent me that, didn't you? Yeah, mate. Hey, they're all over Facebook. There's heaps more of them. She's blowing people over with wind, like that Kenneth Copeland... Scammer. Really? Tapping people on the head and they're all passing out and she's <laughs> releasing them, mate. And this, this is what our scammo has awarded our nation's highest honour. Uh, and people, real recipients, are handing theirs back. Well, so they should. It's, uh, look, again, our court was a wonderful athlete who'd done an incredible amount of work, not just for tennis, but for women in the sporting world. That's where it should have ended. Uh, I think at the moment um, she's nothing short of a, I don't know, a nutter looking at these videos. I mean, really? <laughs> it's crazy stuff. It really is. You know, like, ah! let's remember the last census, 30% of people voted no religion on their census. Yeah. Right? Now, Morrison has insulted those 30% of Australia by awarding it. That is 43,000 Hillsong cult members in this country. Well, and look, you, look, hang on, just a saying, second. Hang on a sec. Let's be a little careful. Uh, look, if you want to uh, belong with Hillsong and if you want to support Margaret Court and go to her church and be blown over as she... <laughs> that's fine. Let, let's. I don't want to... But, I mean, these people do not deserve these kinds of honour. Margaret Court does not deserve a companion of the Order of Australia. She doesn't. Hasn't she already received enough... Awards? Hasn't she been fated enough? I mean, it's so elitist, it just makes me want to hurl my breakfast all over the panel here. It is so ridiculously elitist. What about the nurses, the doctors, the firefighters? All of those people on the front line that have fought against bushfires, COVID-19 and other natural disasters that have beset our country in the last year. Why don't they ever get a look in? Why? Because they're not part of the elite. They're not part of SCOMOS. And and to make matters worse, they've invented some bloody British part of the Australia Day Awards and given one to Murdoch. Spare me day. It's five o'clock on a weekday. The regulars start calling in. To Marcus Paul on the radio. Speaking your mind's not a sin Give him a call on the telephone Tell the world what's on your mind Let's make sense of it all Come on, call Marcus Paul here on 13 12 69 Unscripted, genuine and sometimes silly Marcus Paul in the morning All right, here we go. Hello, Ralph. Ralph, are you there, Ralph? This is where you speak, Ralph. 
Yes. Good morning, Marcus. Thanks for taking the call. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I've rung up to talk about Margaret Court. Yes, and? I've got a really good question for you, Marcus, and a question for all the listeners is, is it not true that the true definition of a homophobe is someone who is so afraid of homosexuals that they also join the bandwagon to hate Christians? No, um, absolutely not. Um, I've got no idea. Where, where would, why would you say that, mate? I don't understand. Because of the hatred? There's no hate. There's no hate. No, there's no hatred or intolerance of Margaret Court. There is intolerance, I guess, of some of her views, which I think are very divisive. A very, a very, you know, belong back in the forties and fifties. Ralph, bull. Just look at Daniel Andrews now. What he's saying is satanic. He's saying, no. I'd love Daniel Andrews tweet of the other day. I thought it was magnificent. Probably one of the best tweets I've seen in quite some time. That's because you're not brilliant. saved yet and you don't know Jesus It's because Christ. I'm what? That's, it's because I'm what? You're not saved yet. You're oh, you mean I haven't been blown over by Margaret Court in her little church? Is that what you're saying, Ralphie boy? not saved. Oh, Ralph. Save me from you, please. Oh. Philip, good morning, Philip. Morning, Marcus. I'd like to speak about Margaret Court. I'm not a Christian. I'm an atheist. Yes. Okay? But... The Muslim faith believes in killing homosexuals, so I'm not buildings. Why is the attack always on the Christian faith? And I'm not one of them. What about turning a bit of attention to the Muslim faith whose tolerance of homosexuality is nil? Because nobody from the Muslim faith, <coughs> excuse me, nobody from the Muslim faith is right now being given a companion of the Order of Australia. That's why. Sorry about that. We've got a little drama here with our computers. We're just fixing it up in the background, if you can hear that noise. Uh, yes, uh, nobody of the Muslim faith um, is receiving one of our highest orders at this moment. That's why uh, we're discussing Margaret Court. Now, changing the date of Australia Day is an issue that seems to rear its head every single year, as we know, and another similar issue is that of Margaret Court. There's no doubt that Miss Court was an amazing athlete, who has done an incredible amount of work, not just for the tennis world, but for women in the sporting world. And that's no doubt why she's being promoted from an officer of the Order of Australia to companion of the Order. But her comments regarding lesbian and gay people and transgender people have left many Australians perplexed as to why she would receive such a high honour. She's now a pastor at a Pentecostal church in Perth, so her views are extremely conservative and follow the Bible to the letter. In 2013, some of Margaret's greatest hits. In 2013, she said of an Australian tennis player who had a baby to her female partner, it's with sadness. I see this baby has seemingly been deprived of his father. A few years later, she boycotted Qantas after they expressed their support for same-sex marriage. And as of transgender people who I'll say have an alarmingly high suicide rate. She said being transgender is the work of, quote, the devil. Usually we turn a blind eye to these sorts of religious views because we have a right to free speech. But her comments are so out of line to that of the broader population that it's hard to ignore. And I can understand why people are so opposed to her upcoming Australia Day honour. I oppose it. Personally, I would much rather have seen 
I don't know, firefighters around our country collectively receive an honour for Australia Day. But no, again, it's the elite. I would much rather have seen doctors and nurses who have fought at the height of COVID-19 in saving lives to receive an honour. But no, they're not a part of the elite. Miss Court's comments are extremely damaging. And as Victoria Premier, uh, Victoria's Premier Daniel Andrews said last week, they're detrimental to the mental health of LGBT people. He went as far as to say her comments cost lives, obviously referencing that suicide rate that I mentioned. Western Australia's Premier Mark McGowan also expressed his disapproval with the award over the weekend, saying it could instead go to many unsung heroes of this country. I understand that she's a tennis legend, a terrific athlete, but she was recognised for those achievements in 2007 when she was made an Officer of the Order of Australia. Since then, she's made some horrible and heartless comments and doesn't deserve this additional honour. Alrighty, Andrew, are you there, mate? Ah, uh, Justin. Yeah, it's Marcus, mate. Justin's uh, answering the calls. But, yes, what did you want to add? Uh, have you got a problem at Hornsby? What's happening, mate? Uh, yeah, the Gorge of Gorge. Oh, in the Gorge? What's happening in yeah. the Gorge? Uh, there's a bus. Cockley doodly doodly, cockley doodly. Go, Margaret Court. Cock a doodly doo, old son. Cock a doodly Oh, have a go at that moron. So he's rung. See, this is the kind of mentality that you're dealing with. You've got a bloke who's rung up on a fake name a bloke with an IQ the size of a kumquat who's rung up to decide that he wants to make up a, a story. Now we're going to have to check whether there's a bloody crash in the gorge, thanks to you, you moron. Can we check, Justin? Justin, can we check if there's something wrong in the gorge, please? I don't want to put over any ridiculously... Can you check? There's nothing? OK. There is no accident in the Golston Gorge, and the bloke that just rang up to make up that story just so he could get on and carry on with his cuckly doodly doos See, he's the kind of bloke that get blown over by Margaret Court in church. A moron. Oh, this is fun. Hello, Mike. How are you? G'day, mate. How are you going? All right, thanks, Mike. Quick phone call. I can't think of anybody that would be more deserving for the award than Margaret Court, actually. Why, Why is that, Mike? She's a fantastic tennis player. Yes, absolutely. And that's what it's about. It's not about anything else. Well, no, it's, it's not. No, no, hang on, it's not. It's about her community work. We heard from the Prime Minister himself. It's about her work within the community. Her community work's outstanding. In relation to what? To homelessness. Um, she's, she's a religious person. She's entitled to her beliefs the same as any other religion. Oh, absolutely. No one's no this is no not one about is, religion. No one is saying is that she's not entitled to her re religious beliefs. Yeah, well, this is not about religion, Marcus. This is about her outstanding achievements. Which, again, I'm waiting for you to give me some evidence as to what they are. You haven't got a clue, have you? Yes, I have. I've got a plenty of a clue, well, tell mate. me, tell me she, then. Homelessness? Uh, Helping what it, okay, people, hang on. What achieving she, great heights for a sports It's not career. about... No, no, it's not about the sport. So tell me, what has she done for the homeless, Mike? Tell me. Give me some evidence. She's helped. She's fundraised. She's raised money. She's helped for people that needed operations. Mate, come on. Do your research. 
I've got plenty of research right here in front of me, and I, I cannot find anything that would lead to Margaret Court being given this extra honour. There are far more other more deserving people who have done far more. Yeah, see, that's what happens. Back it up with evidence, Mike. You can't. That's your problem. All right, back to your calls in just a moment on 13 12 69, and there are stacks of emails coming through on the Margaret Court issue, uh, which we'll get to. But right now, uh, these new findings from Headspace National Youth Mental Health Foundation has found that young people at critical ages, 12 to 14 and 18 to 21, are reporting significant increases in feelings of isolation. I read this report this morning, and I, I kind of shook my head. Why? Why are people at the age of 13 and 17, feeling so isolated. Vicky Ryle is the Executive Director of the Clinical Practice Headspace. Good morning to you, Vicky. Thank you for holding on. Good morning. Look, I, um, I am, to be honest, I'm shaking my head. Why are these young people feeling so increasingly isolated? Mm. Look, it's likely that these particular data relate to uh, young people feeling more uh, disconnected uh, because of the disruptions from last year and in, in resulting from restrictions being at home, more um, unable to connect with their peers in the same way yeah. and the sort of usual support structures being uh, really obviously uh, disrupted last year. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, I mean, everybody's lives have been turned upside down by the mm. pandemic, and I guess that makes sense. So, uh, all right, say if we take that at face value, that is one of the main reasons. I mean, what can we do about it? I guess that's importantly what your councillors at Headspace Australia need to do, because the let me just go through the figure again here. Many young people aged 12 to 14 will be starting secondary school for the first time, while those aged 18 to 21 uh, may be starting uh, the shift into further study or work uni or going to the workplace full-time. But they've been feeling isolated. That might cause some issues, you know, at this mm. next phase of their life. Yeah, it can. And I, I think we're... I mean, the reason we're in, uh, releasing this data right now is mm. because the, this week is obviously a lot of uh, states and territories are focused on returning to school. And this is really to say to parents that there is uh, there are conversations that you can have and things you can look out for that will help your young people uh, by supporting them to take that big step. So for... Mm you know, people starting secondary school or anyone changing school, there's lots of different sort of transitions that yeah. and that they can be more more isolating times for young people. Um, particularly this year, it, it's perhaps more important that we ask parents to uh, keep an eye out, tune in to how you think a young person is, try and raise conversations as often as possible. Sure. Um, uh, not in a sort of uh, hitting them over the head with it way, but just uh, checking in, how's it going, acknowledging that it's a big mm. thing. Um, of course. When you say they're feeling isolated, just in a nutshell, what do we mean by that? I mean, we know what isolated means, the word, mm. you know, you're alone and lonely, etc. But uh, in this context... In this context, I think it's less connected to people and- in the, um, in the context of when the research was done, it may be even differently connected, thinking about perhaps young people being more connected uh, 
through digital means but less connected uh, physically and you know as as you said we all we all have the same impact but less um, remembering young people are having that contact at school sports and other kind of out out of school activities and that they would have all changed to a probably an online um, mechanism and adolescence is a time where people young people are trying to form their identity and part of that is um, thinking a lot about yourself inside and, yeah. and many young people don't necessarily share that so what we're really asking parents to do particularly through this transition time is take as much time as you can to check in um, about it not um, young people are generally resilient so it's not assuming things are terrible they will yeah. manage this but also the pandemic for all of us may have ongoing consequences for quite some time all right so uh, if there are parents out there that uh, want to have a discussion with their children perhaps even get one of your counselors involved uh, where do they need to go to vicky uh, yeah i mean i think if 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 parents there's lots parents can do firstly on their own. There's a lot of information on the Headspace website, which yes. is just headspace.org.au, about how to start conversations, mm. um, just general information around promoting good mental health. And they, for many young people and families, that will be enough. If if it's not, and there's uh, good information again about when it's not on the website, yeah. then um, you can start with uh, our... Yeah, the website will direct you through to find the nearest centre. Yep. You can talk to your local general practitioner or contact um, eHeadspace uh, through um, the website. directly again yeah. through the website. Yeah, yep. perfect. All right, well, I wanted to touch base with you on uh, this this morning. I mean, certainly families do play an important role in preparing and supporting young people to make positive transitions, whether they're going into, you know, the next phase of their school career or perhaps they're starting out in the workforce uh, first time and uh, there are plenty of tips available on your uh, page as well that I've had a look at this morning uh, headspace.com.au get involved and great to have you on Vicky thank you thank you all right take care there she is Vicky Ryle executive director clinical practice of Headspace and they do some wonderful work with young Australians and mental health it's a really important aspect that we need to keep a, an eye on Headspace, the National Youth Mental Health Foundation, providing early intervention mental health services to twenty uh, to twelve and twenty five twelve to twenty five year olds. I mean, each year Headspace helps thousands of young people access vital support through their centres in one hundred and twenty four communities across Australia. Or start two SM twelve sixty nine AM two SM digital and online at two SM Supernetwork Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. You've been on the attack recently, <laughs> and I'm loving it. Thank you, mate. Thanks for telling it like it is. It's all right. Really refreshing to hear that on a mainstream format. So, to all of your audience, I've just got to say, you could do a lot worse than Marcus Paul. Doing a good job. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. Weekdays from 5 a.m. on 2SM. Alrighty, give us a call, 13 12 69. I see Oliver still reigns supreme, but Charlotte's crown has fallen to Amelia. In the tally of the state's most popular baby names for last year, the annual list released by New South Wales births, deaths and marriages 
uh, which held the top. Uh, let's have a look here. Um, so we've got number one. Let's do the girls first. Amelia, Oliver, Charlotte, Isla, Mia, Ava, Chloe. My sister named her daughter Chloe. Grace, Sophia and Zoe. They are the top girls' names. What about the top boys' names in Australia for 2020? Oliver was the top, followed by Noah, William, Leo, Lucas, Henry, Liam, Jack, Thomas and Marcus. Now, I made that last one up. (laughs) The last one is James. Who'd name their kid Marcus, for God's sake? 13 12 69, the telephone number. <clears throat> All right, uh, emails. Uh, Trevor, Trevor's not a fan, but that's okay. Dear Marcus, Margaret Court is a great Australian. You, on the other hand, are the greatest nothing the talk radio has ever produced. Love you too, Trev. Thank you. Frank, in relation to Margaret Court, that clip you played must be Margaret Court speaking in tongues. Pentecostals believe in speaking in tongues and divine gifts. Apparently they can also heal people. Look, I don't really care what they can do. Um, and that's fine if, you, if people uh, that practice that religion believe that they can heal people. All power to them. I just don't believe that Margaret Court deserves this extra honour. Okay, it's really got nothing to do with the religion. Um, except for the fact that she's made, in the name of her religion, quite uh, homophobic and bigoted statements. Which have hurt a lot of people, in my opinion. And in a lot of other people's opinion. G'day, Marcus. I do enjoy your show. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this Margaret Court Award I'm not fussed about, but you stated there's no room for bigots on your program, and yet your last caller was exactly that. He labelled a religion as a cult. He bagged the PM for being involved in that religion and accused him of awarding Margie the Australian Day Honour, which is false. Humour doesn't dismiss bigotry. Sorry for the downer email. I'll still listen. All right, Matt. Thank you. Um, well... Look, I think, in fairness, in fairness, Margaret Court's comments uh, in relation, and I mentioned them before, um, you know, her comments in relation to same-sex marriage, in relation to, um, you know, same-sex couples having children, and her rela- uh, uh, views and comments on LGBTI people in general have received widespread coverage so, look, I think it's only fair that I allow people to come back and in relation to her receiving this award, people are upset by it. Um, I don't know. Maybe we're all bigots, perhaps. Uh, there we go. Um, Les Shaw says Daniel Andrews should know about costing lives. He cost around 800 Yeah, he did, according to you. Uh, look, I don't know again. Um, Daniel Andrews, did he directly? Well, perhaps uh, those in his inner circle and those that he was working with made some decisions that led to a loss of life but then again so did Gladys Berejiklian uh, I think it's high time we, we moved on past the blame game uh, of course the Premier of New South Wales and the Premier of Victoria you know in decisions that were made they'll be judged for those I think at the next ballot box but ultimately would they have wanted these people to die of course not of course, I'm not defending them, but it's very easy to say, turn around and say, oh, well, you know, Daniel Andrews cost people, 800 people their lives. I mean, you sound like Sky After Dark, for God's sake. No, Daniel Andrews directly did not, just like Gladys Berejiklian directly did not. 
But some of the policies that were made in good faith possibly did. Let's be a little fair. I think, anyway, in relation to that. All right, 131269 uh, is the telephone number if you want to have you say. Ronnie, good morning. How are you, Ron? You there? Oh, very good, mate. How was your weekend? All right, thanks, Ron. Good. Uh, yeah, I just want to mention about something. Uh, my uh, son at uh, Saturday night said, I, I want to take you out to see the latest building that, that I've done. And, uh, and the I did. latest what, Sorry. A building that he, he built. Okay, good. There was yes. a series of five buildings, a lot more to come. And uh, uh, he's a project manager from, from North, and he was in control of the whole thing, so he took me out to have a look. And, mate, I just couldn't believe what they've done. It's, it's uh, going to be... It's, it's going to Are you going to share with us what they've done? Where is it? What is it? Well, it's situated bit, uh, out near the airport, near the golf course out there, right. and they have this uh, big, uh, they've got a lot of land, uh, uh, the church owns it, and um, they've built a complete school for, uh, so far, uh, four that will have uh, kids from two years of age up to uh, high school level, and uh, they've made a separate building, which this is the one that really... It's real mind-boggling, a, a church, right. and uh, it's separate to the, the school. Fascinating. Okay, so... Um... And it's, it's a Catholic school, and right. uh, but I went through the whole building, uh, section by section, and it's perfection, absolute perfection. They That's what they wanted to get, and that's what they got. But... For the kids, I think it's going to be a, a 1,500 kids altogether. It's going to be absolutely a great thing for these children uh, that go into that school. It's, uh, he, he, he's built a few future uh, uh, schools now, but this is the biggest one he's done. But uh, when I went into the church, which I, I love going to church. If I go on a holiday, I always go into a church. And the job he's done in there just—it's just unbelievable. All right, so where is it? Um, if people... well, I'm trying to—I'm trying to give you the, the position of it because it's in this third block of land. It's a rural oh. land I own, but it's on the way to the airport, and it's on very near because we went back a little bit and we went into the the golf club. Uh, that's around about the situation of it. Oh my God! <laughs> where the bloody hell is it, Ron? Oh, it's on the... <laughs> you oh, know where wow. the airport is, don't you? you no, I don't. Coming? I don't know where Newcastle Airport yeah, is. Yeah. I don't even know what the point of this call is. Far out, Ronnie. The John Laws Morning Show on Sydney's 2SM, 1269. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Email us, MP in the morning at 2SM Super Network. Com. Is it just today? I'm not sure. Uh, look, I think Ron, Ron likes calling just to get on the radio. But Ron, I, I'm sorry, mate. Um, I don't see how anybody would be interested in a, a new building next to Newcastle Airport. I just don't get it. I really don't. That's the problem. Um, hello, Steve. How are you? Are you well? Good, Marcus. How are you, mate? Uh, pulling my hair out with callers like Rom, but anyway. All right. Well, maybe maybe you'll pull a little bit more out. I'm not sure. Oh, but I don't know. I, just make sense. That'd be good. I'm I'm quite confused, right? Sure. That people that don't celebrate Australia Day mm-hmm. are offended that an Australian is getting an Australia Day award, right? Now... I'm Margaret Court. I'm not here to defend what she says or whatever. She never asked for this award. She got given it. So she will take the award. What has she done wrong in that? 
I'm not saying that Margaret Court has done anything wrong. I'm saying I don't believe she should be receiving the award. I would love to know who actually decided that Margaret Court should receive this extra gong. I just think there are other far more deserving people, Steve. That's my opinion. So maybe, all right, so can you tell me who are the people that give the award out and why it was given out, why you wouldn't try and get them on the show to maybe explain why she is Well, it's the Australia Day... It's the Australia Day Council. Uh, and okay. look, they... I'm going to be honest with you. I think the government has its hands in the pie as well. They say they don't, but they do, okay? Absolutely. Well, yeah, well, that, that's, fair, that's fair enough because every government of the day would have their hands involved. Well, they in shouldn't. It, it should be well, an arm. It should, well, but they shouldn't. That's another big part of the problem. It should be at arm's length from any political party. It should go yep. to people who deserve it rather than the elite. I'm sorry, Margaret okay. Court is a part of the elite and I'm sick to death of the elite receiving all, right, all so of the the awards when there are far more deserving people within our communities that have done a hell of a lot more. And also the the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah, the ABC. ABC, yeah. right? Yep. Is not going to call Australia Day. So are they tomorrow called the Australian Broadcasting Corporation or are they going to change that as well? Well, that's a good point. What, the Invasion <laughs> Broadcasting <laughs> Corporation, you <laughs> think? Yeah, well, if, you, if you're going to do that, then that would save, let's say, you and me, taxpayers, yeah. a bit of money. Is that correct? Uh, do look, you know what I'm saying, Marcus? If, if you're going to come out mm. and not allow Australians right, to celebrate Australia Day, right? just, just, just celebrate it. Okay, you're going to have people that don't like it. So no matter if it's on September 20, August 2, it doesn't matter. It's still going to be Australia Day, which people don't. Why? You like right? this email that's come through, mate, from Amanda, Steve. Amanda says, if you love Australia Day on January 26th, you'll love it on any date. I figure moving the date would uh, alleviate some pain of Indigenous Australians. Moving the date won't affect anyone else. Just move it. We're Australians every day. The date we celebrate won't change that. Uh, again, you know, it's the same old story every year this time. Uh, there's division. Change the date, move the date, Invasion Day, Australia Day. I mean, you might have heard me speaking about it this morning. Uh, the ABC's decision to rename Australia Day Invasion Day, which I think is wrong. Absolutely it's wrong. The national broadcaster yesterday afternoon announced they'd be referring to January 26 as Invasion Day in its online events guide. And the decision has already been heavily rebuked by the public and various levels of government. Uh, as I mentioned, it, come up, it comes up every year. My problem with the ABC's move is not about the need to recognise the pain of our Indigenous people and the fact that many Indigenous people did die when settlers arrived on our shores. We know that. My problem is that it's not up to our national taxpayer-funded broadcaster to make that decision for the country without national consultation. They've overstepped the line. And they should be rebuked by the government for doing so. And when you look at the front page of today's Herald, it's quite clear that the broadcaster isn't reflecting the sentiment of the nation. Only 28% support the change, 48% were opposed, and the remaining respondents didn't carry the way. So I said earlier, the fact that the ABC has opted for Invasion Day rather than January 26, well, I think it's disrespectful and it's disgraceful. It's a different kettle of fish to what the BBL has done. It also fails to recognise that Australia has many, many, many good things to celebrate and they should damn well be celebrated. Absolutely. If a few 
people at the ABC want to virtue signal and carry on like they're going to save the world, uh, then let them do it at their own coin, or, you know, at their own expense, if you like. They shouldn't start running their own highly pol- politicised agenda while they're being funded by you and I, the taxpayer. Well, I mean, what do you say? Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Telephone number. Luke, good morning. Hey, good morning, Marcus. Um, you're a brave fellow, mate, putting some um, speaking in tongues on the radio and people can have a listen to it. Um, I'm a Christian and I know there's a lot of other Christians out there who don't speak in tongues and don't go along with it as a gift of God. Um, you look up the history and you look up science, but most of us have got iPhones, mate. And if you record someone speaking in tongues like you did with Margaret Court there, analyse the speech. It's, it's not a language. It's, it's making about three or four syllables and repeating them over and over again. And with the iPhone nowadays, you can tape record people speaking in tongues or yourself if you're doing it um, and analyse. And in the scriptures, it says you should interpret it you would have heard of the gift of the, the, the feast of Pentecost. This is when it all started. No, in I Acts haven't two. heard. I haven't heard of it, and I don't want to hear about it because it's not the place for it. Please, can we not, Luke? Uh, let's move on. Can we move on to uh, anything but Pentecostal speaking in tongues or religion? Okay. What well, else? Let's get on to Trump. Um, oh God, why Trump again? You're a you're a bit of a one or two trick pony, Luke. Is there anything else in your life besides, I don't know, religion and Donald Trump? <laughs> is there? Is it? I think Australia, we've got a, a very lucky start. We're not being affected by COVID, which is nowhere near what's happening in most of the other countries in the world, especially America and Brazil and Europe. Um, our leaders here have, have done a very good thing to keep us clear of it. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, this is, I think... We're not realising how great it is to be an island, how great it is to have our own unique um, character. Yes. And that our Indigenous people um, have kept this island environmentally safe and in one piece for a long time. The 200, 300 years we've been around, it's been wrecked. (laughs) And um, we've got to take some responsibility for the way that we've looked after the environment here, not just socially, but but the, the, the animals... Yep. Um, the the huge heat waves that we're going through, the bushfires. See, Luke, I like it. I like not... it when you talk about this star, stuff yep. rather than Trump. I think uh, most of us understand what you're saying, and yep. you make some really good points, mate. Okay. Okay. Well, look. Thank, thanks for the show because I think um, with this, what we're interested in is science. What we're interested in is logic. Yes. I think we need to examine things, and hey, let's check out the history of this thing. I think the tongue thing started in Azusa Street in Chicago. In a hundred years ago, about 1900. Are we back to tongues? No, but history. Let's look up. If you want to know what really went on there, it didn't get going till about 1960s, 1970s what with the charismatic movement. What didn't get going? This this tongue healing and prophecy that these are all the gifts of God and you, you can't be a Christian unless you do them. Oh. Nonsense. Thank you. Um, all right, Rosalind, Marcus, I agree with you in that uh, Mrs. Court has received enough awards for her contribution to tennis, and many past recipients, in my opinion, have not deserved them. In fact, they could scrap them. However, this morning you couldn't help having a, another dig at PM ScoMo's Elites. Sorry, what, I couldn't? Well, no, I'll take every opportunity I can to call out the Elites, Rosalind, uh, because the Elites... 
um, feast off the back of hard-working Australians like, well, me. I don't know whether you work, Rosalind. The PM does not approve the honours. It is the Governor-General who does so on the advice of the awards panel. Yes, I know I mentioned that. Yes, the awards panel. It's odd that the WA Labor Premier has not made a comment. Well, not to my knowledge. You just can't help having a dig at the PM and our Premier. Roll on next week. Well, that's fine, Rosalind. Um, no, I can't help having a dig at our PM and our Premier because they're both as corrupt as, I don't know, possibly you are. I don't know. Um, bring on Wednesday so all this crap can be forgotten for another year, says James. I also agree with you, shock horror. <laughs> These awards for Australia Day should go to ordinary Australians who have done extraordinary things throughout the year. Uh, what else here? Mark, aren't Christians supposed to love everyone? Is Oh, Jesus, God would. Uh, let's move on from that. Ken, tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought Ida Buttrose was appointed to her position to arrest bias at the ABC. To me, it seems a lot worse since she's taken over. Also, at 2pm recently, it showed a British series uh, where within one minute a man sucks another man's finger and the F word is used. Isn't that a breach of censorship rules? Ken, what on earth are you watching? Boy, oh boy. All right, more emails coming through, which we'll get to after 11 o'clock New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. From Dubbo to the Gold Coast. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now, 13 12 69. All right, one of my regular contributors on uh, my program is Joel Fitzgibbon. Um, He's come out this morning on breakfast television saying that he believes the date should be changed. Australia Day is a special day for all of us, says Joel, the day we celebrate our achievements as a nation and, of course, reflect on the mistakes of the past and recommit ourselves to righting those wrongs. But it's a unifying day, not a day to divide. Joel says, I actually think the day should be moved because I don't know that you can have unity and reconciliation by continuing to have Australia Day on a day which is so offensive to so many people. So many people who are still suffering the legacy of disadvantage that flowed from the original settlement. But let's do that together, says Fitzy. Let's have a conversation and find a way of doing it which doesn't force further division. And that's exactly what the ABC has now done. All right, so that's Joel Fitzgibbon uh, this morning on television. Uh, By the way, I'll chat to Joel tomorrow morning on the breakfast program, uh, well, sometime between 6 and 9 in the morning. Margaret, hello. Margaret, goodbye. Hello, Gavin. Are you there, mate? Yeah, mate. G'day, Gavin. I um, I love your show. Thank you. I won't be listening in February when... You're not on air. Uh, well, you can still listen. You can listen to nah. my brekkie show online. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, so uh, what did you want to talk about, mate? Um, uh, just about Australia Day. Look, I, was, I woke up at midnight and I thought about something my dad had said. And um, a lot of the Aborigines, when white people first came here, they died of the common flu or the common cold. And I think in, in this year... When we we now know that 52 Australians have died from a flu, uh, 
uh, whatever. I'm with that you. Yep, yep. Maybe, yep. M- maybe this, maybe this year. I'm like, I'm going to tell my kids about this, and I'm just going to have a, you know, a bit of a think about that. Yeah. Because it's such a sad thing that we couldn't have helped bringing the common flu over, and yet it caused such devastation to a lot of the Aborigines, especially in the Ringa area where I grew up. Yep. Um. And um, they really helped white people when they came to uh, around Manly and Northern Beaches and that. They helped them find their way through up through to Palm Beach and all that. Yep. I just think it's really sad that that one little thing, that's no one's fault, but just maybe this Australia Day we might think about it's happening to us now. Yeah. Sorry, Marcus, I won't take up any of the time. No, you're right, mate. No, look, I appreciate uh, you putting your, your point of view across and you're welcome to your opinion just as much as everybody else is. And, yeah, maybe it's a conversation you might want to have with your children tomorrow. Will you be doing it? Give us a call. Let me know. 13 12 69. Tony, hello. Are you there, Tone? Yeah. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? All right, Tony. Uh, what did you want to talk about? Oh, just a quick one. Um, just the comparison with... Um, Israel Folau and his stupid comments, and Margaret Court. Um, once, once they both say the same thing. One loses everything, and one gets an award for, from Australia. Well, um, yeah, that's a very good point, actually. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, look, uh, well, I think they both said stupid comments, but ultimately... Um, yeah. When you say uh, one loses everything, uh, you're talking about Israel Folau. Yeah, he loses his contract. And uh, difference, yeah, difference is, of course, uh, rugby is a commercial uh, sport, as much as, you know, we might want to agree with that. Rugby is a commercial sport, and unfortunately, um, you know, the... The commercial ramifications of Qantas deciding that it wanted to step in was just too much, I think, for Rugby Australia to bear, and that's why they caved in. Yeah, but, yeah. It's just that's just funny that you know <laughs> one gets you know everything thrown, and then the other one gets an award. That's just all. I, yeah. yeah. Well, look, um, I support both Margaret Court and also uh, Israel Folau in, in airing their opinions. They're, they're entitled to. I mean, I'd be an absolute hypocrite if, if I had a go at them for... I don't agree with their opinions, but I support their right to say it. It is, after all, freedom of speech. But at the same time, um, when you're airing your opinions, I mean, a lot of people probably listening to me this morning thinking I'm a bloody idiot. <laughs> I'm sure there are heaps of people. But I, you know, I don't uh, sway from my convictions. I am a very tolerant person. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a, a heterosexual male, been married, have two children, have a, a female partner, and uh, I happen to have um, friends who are from the LGBTI community. I've lost friends from that community who've committed suicide. And I understand the hurt and the anguish that a lot of people from the gay community feel when they're having to deal with the the bigotry that still remains in our society. We have moved on. It is 2021 and it's not 1950 anymore. You just need to move with the times. I mean, ultimately, this is what I don't understand with people like Margaret Court and others. How on earth does it affect Margaret Court that people of same sex want to get married and maybe bring up children together? How does that affect Margaret Court's life? I mean, to be perfectly honest, I've seen videos this morning of 
the carry-on in a church with all that gobbledygook, you know, speaking in tongues rubbish and apparently pushing people over with, you know, with some sort of spirit or whatever. I think that's far more dangerous than a same-sex couple providing a loving, stable family home for a child. That's my opinion. A lot of people disagree. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Susan, good morning. Are you there? Uh, good morning, Marcus. Hi, Susan. Um, Margaret Court's opinion, you know, like uh, just hearing an opinion. I mean, who cares? Well, you we know, care because I'm... she's receiving an award. That's why. Um... Well, 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 even before that, I mean, you know, like let's not look at her receiving an, an award. People have opinions, you know, like, and, and what worries me is it, it's freedom, freedom of speech becoming the next casualty in Australia. If you can't, if you can't use names, you've got to change them. If you can't do this and do that, if you can't have an opinion, we're being boxed into a little square that we don't like. Well, I don't think anybody's suggesting, I'm certainly not suggesting that Margaret Court can't have an opinion. I just disagree with it. Well, just get over it. You know, like, don't don't air it all the time. You know, like, hey, she's got an opinion, leave it, please, forget it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm more more, uh, concerned about... You said, did you get my two texts? I sent you a text that pensioners have been eating dog food. (laughs) People in cars have been eating dog food out of tins because they're too proud to go to Vinnie's stores and all that sort of thing, you know, like, and they've been eating dog food for years, you know, and and, uh, I hope everybody in Australia enjoys their lamb chops and, and, and their Australia Day. But you don't, you don't, you need to put it out there and ask people, how many people do they know that are eating dog food for Aussie Day? <laughs> All right, I don't know where to go after that. Uh, James, are you eating dog food tomorrow? Uh, Justin, Scruff, are you eating dog food tomorrow on Australia Day? No, nobody here is. Uh, look, I would hate to think that we have pensioners here in Australia who eat dog food. I don't imagine many would. Um, But I do. Look, the point I think Susan's trying to make is very valid. It's very tough. Very tough financially for pensioners. But then again, that goes back, I think, uh, Susan, to the point I was trying to make. While we keep focusing and, I guess, rewarding and awarding the elites like the Margaret Courts of this world, then more and more people eat dog food. Why? Because we have a government that seems to be so focused on slapping the backs of its rich mates rather than, I don't know, doing something proactive, like perhaps building social housing. I don't know, like making, maybe making sure pensioners receive their annual increase, or maybe even upping the pension even more, so there'll be less dog food consumption. I don't Just a thought. Brent, hello, are you there, Brent? Hello, Brent. Oh, Marcus, how are you? All right, Brent. How are you? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Sorry, I was just opening my can of chum. Mm, Sorry about yum. that. Yeah. Yummy. Yeah, yum. yeah. No, I'm just... Uh, what I rang you today, mate, is uh, I'm pretty annoyed about tomorrow with the uh, ABC referring to Australia Day as Invasion Day. 
Okay. Last time I checked, mm. last time I checked, the ABC was government run and taxpayer taxpayer funded. It Am is. I correct? To yeah, say it that? is. Yep. Yeah. Well, your your taxes and my taxes contribute to that divisive rubbish. And you know why I personally celebrate Australia Day? Tell me. Because I like to celebrate exactly what this country is about and the fact that it is the best country to live in in the whole world. Well, That's it is. That's why I celebrate Australia Day, mate. None of this divisive rubbish or uh, I don't hate Aboriginals. Yep. And, and there were wrong things that happened to them 230 years ago. I respect that. Yep. But we all need to move forward as a nation. We all need to be one. We need to celebrate how good this country is. And it's that simple, mate, in my mind at least. So happy Australia Day for tomorrow, mate. And this Invasion Day rubbish out the door. See you later. Well said, mate. All right. Good on you. Great call. Appreciate it. 13, 12, 69. Have you seen? Uh, g'day to Mark on the Gold Coast. Uh, Marcus, I heard you play a song this morning from Gorillaz on your breakfast show. Uh, feel good. Yeah, I do like that one, Mark. Uh, and I'll have a look at that other one you've asked me for as well. See if we can play it for you at some point. Uh, here we go, Marcus. How did Israel Folau lose? He got around $5 million and is now playing for a French rugby team being paid plenty. He's not a loser, John, on the Gold Coast. All right. Uh, well, I never said he was. My caller did. But um, he's a professional athlete. And again, if uh, you know if your values aren't aligned to your um, companies and you're being paid a pretty penny um, like a sporting star is, like an Israel Folau, I mean, certainly, he has a right to say what he wants, but he also, you know, has to face the consequences of having that right and using free speech. It's the way it works in this country. That's a democracy. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. the telephone number. Ah, uh, there we go. G'day, Marcus. Susan, dog food costs way more than a tin of tuna. Gary, how do you know, Gary? Have you, sw- have you eaten both, have you? <laughs> All right, more messages coming through, and I really appreciate them. Uh, we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, we've got a stack of them coming through now. Um, let's have a look here. Uh, Rosalind has come back. Marcus, you just insinuated on air that I was corrupt. What a nasty and dangerous thing to say about someone you know nothing about except that I had the audacity to have an opinion on the words that you broadcast. I thought that that was the point of the program. Oh, how remiss of me. Must not criticise. Well, of course you can criticise, Rosalind, just as I can throw it back at you and you can again come back at me on the email. That's the way it works when you're having a, a robust discussion. And I'm sorry, I stand by my point. I believe that the Prime Minister and the Premier of New South Wales are a little corrupt. And if you support them, well, then you support corruption. Uh, do we have to go through all of the evidence again? No, let's not. There's plenty out there if you care to have a look. Rosalind. Gary says, Margaret Court is the reason I voted for gay marriage. I'm a white, straight person. I don't believe in discrimination of any sort and smells of discrimination of bigoted religious views of no place in Australian society. All right, thank you for that. Appreciate it, Gary Brook. Um, oh, and here we go, Matt's. G'day, Marcus. Maybe an interview could be organised with the CEO of the elitists, Federal Labor's Christina. 
Never in Australian politics has someone risen to such high position without ever being democratically elected. I'm sure Christina Keneally could spill the beans behind privilege. <laughs> touche, Matt. Touche. <laughs> David, save me. Have we got a joke? How did the farmer win the Nobel Prize? How did the farmer win the Nobel Prize, Dave? He was outstanding in his field. got a stack of emailers and callers just quickly before we go to a break and then come back and uh, talk to these uh, callers. G'day Marcus, feeling your pain and agree with you about Ron and his boring stories. Luke and his daily rant about Trump and thank you for calling them out and giving them short shrift. Uh, Well and truly over the Margaret Court fiasco and the terminally offended left. Oh please don't label. Anyway, the ABC and their constant division drives me bonkers. Rant over, keep them honest. Regards, John Hamilton. Thank you, John. And Terry, in relation to Australia Day, the hypocrisy from the ABC and the Aboriginal community in general is disgusting. Happy to blow up Australia Day as a huge issue, but aren't capable of speaking out against the domestic violence, sex crimes, drug use and child abuse that plagues remote Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory. Well, I spoke to Jacinta Price this morning and I urge everybody, if you're interested, to have a look at her policy paper. Worlds Apart, Remote Indigenous Disadvantaged uh, in the Context of Wider Australia. It's done for the Centre of Independent Studies, the Indigenous Research Program, and it is cold, hard facts on how bloody bad it is in remote Indigenous communities around Australia. I mean, it's just incredible. When you look at the numbers of people involved in breaching domestic violence protection orders, assaults, property damage, unlawful entry, liquor, drug offences, traffic-related offences, trespassing, vagrancy, sexual offences, weapons offences, prostitution, it goes on and on and on. There are some major, major issues. And there is continually a big divide between how we live our life in the cities and how communities in remote Australia are living. A wicked problem is one that is difficult or impossible to solve, often due to varying views, contradictory knowledge, knowledge gaps and economic burden, and the problem into connection with other problems, such as alcoholism contributing to domestic violence. For decades, state, territory and Commonwealth governments have been trying and failing to solve the wicked problems besetting remote Indigenous communities. Billions upon billions of taxpayer dollars have been spent with very little improvement. In some communities, the situation has regressed with alcohol abuse, domestic violence and truancy plaguing townships that are on the verge of breaking point. 
That's just the first paragraph. 2SM Sydney Traffic. Strathfield Liverpool Road, Wallace Avenue, an accident involving a truck, eastbound left-hand lane. Zetland Southern Cross Drive at Link Road, a car breakdown southbound lane one, and very heavy traffic. Parramatta Road between Woodville Road, the run-up towards James Bruce Drive. A city-bound allowance of travel time there this morning. Run out of space in your home or office. Rush into Storage King before February 15 for one month's free storage. Visit storageking.com.au for your nearest store. Conditions apply. That's the latest traffic on 2SM 1269. Finance Easy can help you through these uncertain financial times. Whether you need to get on top of bills, business loans, car loans, equipment finance, Finance Easy can take the stress out of finding finance with Australia's best rates. We are here to support the community. Chat to us online or over the phone and let us take care of everything. Visit financeeasy.com.au or call 1300 003 003. Finance Easy. That's E-Z-I. We make getting what you want easy. Mate, what's the hurry? Yeah, but we're only doing a few k's over. Yeah, but I've got to pick up the kids. Yeah, but I'm a good driver. Yeah, but everybody speeds around here. Yeah, but there's never anyone on these roads. Yeah, but I'm running late. Yeah, but I always make this trip in a couple yeah, of hours. Yeah, but I've been driving those roads for years. Locals are being seriously hurt on our roads each year. Our mates, our families, us. The road is no place for excuses. A message from the New South Wales government. Okay, purse, check. Mobile, check. Shopping list, check. Son playing in the driveway. Didn't check. Tragically, each year children are being killed or injured in low-speed runovers, often in driveways at home. So, actively supervise children around vehicles, separate play areas from driveways and garages, and C, always make sure you check around the vehicle before you get in and drive. See gjfoundation.com.au for more information, acknowledgements to Safe Kids New Zealand and Transport for New South Wales. G'day, Merv Hughes here. Summer is here, and that means two things. Our big quicks are steaming in on the pitch. And your car's aircon needs to be on top of its mark. Your off stump will be blown away by the aircon service at your local Repco Authorised Service Centre. The fully qualified mechanics will keep you cool all year with a comprehensive service on your car's aircon system, no matter what you drive. Book online today at repcoservice.com. Peters of Kensington is the ultimate shopping experience and you can enjoy the best of both worlds by shopping online or in store. Whichever you choose, an abundance of fine quality products awaits. Kitchenware, glassware, homeware, dinnerware and amazing gift ideas are just part of the huge range. If you're looking for a gift with a unique edge, the especially themed hampers are a great alternative to something more traditional. Peters of Kensington, 57 Anzac Parade or shop online at petersofkensington.com.au Why in the world would you shop anywhere else? SM 1269 AM 2SM Digital and online at 2SM Marcus Paul in the morning filling in for John Laws I thank Marcus, he's a very good broadcaster full stop, we love this industry, we love what we're doing, Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all. Marcus Paul in the morning call 131269 Alright Lyle, are you there? Lyle Hello Lyle that's twice for Lyle. Uh, that's twice he's rung uh, and twice he hasn't been there. So if Lyle rings again, that's it. Hello, Gavin. Are you there? Gavin. Uh, hello. Hello. Marcus. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, mate. How are you? Well, thank you, Gavin. What's on your mind? I was just going to mention about the dog food, but <laughs> someone's already emailed you with what I was going to say. That's okay. What did you want to say anyway? <laughs> 
not that cheap because I have a dog. Dog food's not that cheap. I don't own a dog at the moment. I have in the past, but uh, what's it costing you for a, I don't know, a can of Pal these days? Out of interest. Oh, $4.50 or so. Ooh. You can buy a can of Chunky Soup for like $3, $2.50. Might be. You can buy Suey Mins for a dollar fifty, And like that other person said, tuna is like 99 cents. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't feed uh, domestic animals tuna non-stop, can you? Because it's not really designed for them. No, no, no. That's why you buy the dog food for mm. the dogs. That's right. Has it gone up? Um, I mean, obviously it has all of the, you know, apparently the, the goodies that our fur babies need. Uh, but has it, has it gone up because of this? Is marketing really, you know, because they've marketed it as, you know, a, uh, with all the goodies and nutrients, etc. Do you reckon the marketing's led to the increase in price? Mm, I, I've always found it quite expensive, dog food. Can't but you it get, doesn't break the bank, but... Can you get cheaper dog food from Aldi or, you know, those can. other you other can. stores? Is it the same stuff? No. no. I find when I've got it for my dog, <laughs> and then he's... It's not nice to say, but his poos will be runny, stinky farts, not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and you feed him more quality food and it just seems to sit better on the tummy. For Fair it. enough. I suppose that's the same with us really, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's not nice to say, but it's the truth. Fair enough. All right, thanks, mate. Hello, Sarah. Are you there? Nope, Sarah couldn't hold on. What about you, Craig? Craig, are you there? Hello? No, Craig. Uh, we've got anybody on the phones out there. Can we please? That's the job of the phone answerer, to double-check the callers are there. Mandy, hello. Uh, morning, Marcus. How are you? Hi, Mandy. Good, thank you. Oh, that's great. Um, I hope you're not working tomorrow and get a... No, nice I'm here tomorrow. Day. It's all good. It's all hands on deck. What can I do for you, Mandy? Oh, who could eat dog food? Oh, my God. <laughs> who? If- what oh, dog food? Oh my god! No, 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 no. Well, um, I, I look. Um, yeah, it all started with Susan and her call. Susan saying that poor pensioners these days are having to eat dog food. Oh, well, I would god. have thought no pensioners wouldn't no. be eating dog food, particularly if things like uh, I don't know. Um, uh, what did they say? It was cheaper uh, tuna. I mean, if you had a choice between tuna and pal, you know what we go with. Tuna. Exactly. So I, I think Susan was trying to make... Look, I understood her point, but I think she made it poorly. Right. Because I only just, like, kind of switched it on, and I just thought, what, who's eating dog food? Anyway, I just put a little post on Facebook yes. um, the other day, and I right. said, who do you prefer? Because I've got a lot of American friends. Right. Oh, bloody hell, Trump. One by far, and it's like World War Three on my fucking... I beg oh. your pardon. Oh, wow. I didn't even get that. <sighs> All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, it happens after every weekend. Anyway, uh, let's be a little careful if we can with the language. Please. All right, 13, 12, 69, the telephone number. I better go.
couple of emails coming through. G'day, Marcus. Give the Indigenous three choices of a new Australia Day date, including the current Australia Day, 26th. Um, and this is done via an Indigenous referendum. Uh, referendum, Peter and Lithgow. Uh, problem is, would you be able to organise it, um, particularly in remote areas of Australia? I'm not quite sure, but I understand the thought behind it. Thank you, Pete. This one from Diana Marcus. I work in aged care and have a client who buys sardines for cats to eat because it's cheaper for him. Uh, maybe with cats it's okay. I know cats probably love (laughs) sardines, but I don't know about dogs. Um, And uh, Robin, okay, you got a problem up there at 2HC with the ads going over the top. Hopefully they've sorted it out for you. Uh, All right, we'll get uh, get some more uh, emails on in just a moment. Right now, Brendan, hello there, Brendan. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad yourself. All right, thank you, Brendan, on a Monday. Thank you. Hey, just want to praise Headspace. We um yes we've got a six year old well nearly seven year old with special needs and we're going through the process of a process of a diagnosis but that's yeah taking its time and dramas but yeah my daughter goes to Headspace and it's it's they've been absolutely fantastic can't speak highly of them yeah it's good I spoke to the them whole, yeah you might have did you hear the chat I had with their yeah, CEO I did that made me ring yeah yeah so we've got a we're in Townsville. So yep. we've got to um, go get genetic, genetic counselling done yep. before we can get the test done. But we're on a 12-month wait here because there's no one in Townsville does it. Brisbane comes to Townsville so often. Mm-hmm. So we have to wait 12 months to get this test done. Oh, boy. Mm. So she can't regulate her emotions. Yep. Um, ADD how, as well. And oh, How difficult is that for for you as a parent? Yeah, very very hard because she just, she just doesn't understand um, no concept of time you could tell her you, you can't tell her in the morning you're going for a bike ride in the afternoon because that she just thinks you're you're going now mm. and we'll just keep asking yeah yeah and we're both shift workers no family so I've got to work, I've, I'm lucky I've got a job where I can work school hours so I can be home in the afternoon and the wife's in the hospital and I work mental health myself so it is difficult. But we've just got to keep on battling on and try and work through it as best as we can. Yeah, it's tough. Well, I wish you the very best, Brendan, and thank you for your kind words about Headspace. I'm sure they'll appreciate that. And they do do yeah. some wonderful work, and it's a it's a, an organisation that doesn't receive a lot of government funding, but was, it's vitally important. Yeah, I was going to say that. without And without NDIS, mm. we'd be sort of up the creek with our, with yep. our panel as well. So both go hand in hand, but yeah... Look, I know there's a, there's a lot of bad things said about, about NDIS, but I tell you what, there's a lot of good things that happen to you. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. well, of course. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. like anything. You know, there's always yeah. going to be good and bad. But, no, the National exactly. Disability Insurance Scheme, when it works well, and yeah. it does for the vast majority of people, when it works well, it's wonderful. And it's something that we should continue to fund and yeah. improve on. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not our, a perfect system. It's a government system. Yeah. Of course it's not perfect. <laughs> our problem our problem's been is that she's been with NDIS since she was two. Yes. No one wants to make a, make a decision. No one wants to make do anything. <sighs> she's so young, which, yeah. which doesn't help us. How old is she now? She's nearly she's seven in April. Okay. But she's just going into grade two on Wednesday. 
Okay, is, is the prognosis good in the future? Uh, I mean, will she will well, she improve? We we don't know. They're thinking it's either Williams syndrome or Neur- or Noonan syndrome, which don't know. We're just all up in the air and take each day as it comes. All right. Stay in touch with me, Brendan. Well, okay. I will. I will. I just just want to just, just appraise Headspace for the work they do do and they don't get enough attitude for what they do do. No, but importantly, I want to praise you as a parent yeah. of, a, of a child with special needs in this yeah. in this space and it's important that you get the support and the uh, the encouragement to continue on that uh, that I hopefully I'm giving you this morning, and that I'm yeah. sure most of my listen well, and you know, my listeners will be hearing you, uh, and many yeah, would be I, parents I have, thinking. I've always Boy. listened, but I've, I've always listened, but never, I never rung. This is the first mm-hmm. time I've actually rung. Well, good luck to you, mate. You're in a beautiful yeah. spot up there in Townsville. I spent a bit of time in Townsville. It was lovely. Whereabouts are you there? Uh, we're in Kerwin. Okay, Kerwin, not too far from we're where I'm. We're, we're just not too far. Well, actually, we're back onto the golf course at Willows there, which is not far from the old old Cowboy Stadium. You've been to Maggie uh, recently, Magnetic Island? Uh, not for a little while, but we, we do get over there. When yeah, we're... yeah, I loved it. It's a good spot. That's a um, bit of paradise hasn't been, that's been untouched, which is good. Yes, yes. Shh, don't tell anybody. No, <laughs> our secret. Mark, I'll keep in touch. Thank you. Look after yourself, mate, Thanks. and uh, love to you, your family and, and to your daughter, mate. Yeah, doing it. Tough, and that's it's very hard for parents who are dealing with children with uh, emotional and and also uh, mental illnesses. It's very very hard, and uh, you know uh, you give yourself uh, um, you know a bit of a pinch every day when you've you've brought up kids that haven't had as many problems as what they could have. There for the grace of God, etc. Anyway. Good luck to you, mate, and thank you very much for the call. It's very kind. All right, uh, Nicole, are you there, Nikki? Yep, I am. Hello, Nicole. How are you this morning? I'm not too bad, thank you. Um, I'm just very angry about Margaret Court and the damage she's done to people from the LGBTI. I'm actually a transgender male to female. Yep. Uh, I've got a lesbian partner, mm-hmm. and um, I'm very disgusted with the way She's talking about uh, LGBTI people, and I think that she should not be awarded that uh, Australia Day thing. I know she was a good tennis player and all that sort of stuff, Yep. but I'm very disgusted and very angry at her remarks. Well, the thing is, she hasn't made, or these sorts of remarks haven't been made public for quite some time. Now, what's happened, of course, since this award has been made public and the announcement's been come, uh, become public in the last couple of days, for people like yourself, Nicole, it brings up uh, memories of the division that I also agree that these comments previously by Margaret Court and others uh, have brought up in your community. Uh, we're supposed to be a, a loving tolerant and understanding society. We pride ourselves on supposedly being so in Australia. I don't get the hate and I don't get the division. Well, the thing I don't get is, um, you know, I mean, it's the 21st century. It's about yep. time Australia woke up and realised what what people are. I mean, we don't, I don't complain about people who smoke. I don't complain about people who drink. I'm not complaining about religion. I'm yep. not religious myself, but I'm not complaining. But then yet she's got the high to come across from 
for our our people and say bad things about our people, and I just think that's wrong. I agree. Live and let live. Thank you very much, Nicole, for your call. You look after yourself, okay? Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. SMS 0458-049-209. G'day, Marcus. Robert here. Uh, did you see the clip on television showing how we celebrated Australia Day back in 1988? Everyone was excited and unified, and it was a great public holiday. Now it's just turned into a whinge fest. Uh, yes, big difference, though, Robert, between now and 1988. A very, very big difference. There was no social media back then. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, Sarah. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to pick your brain because I'm in my mid-70s. Yes. And I cannot for the life of me remember when it was decided to gazette the 26th as officially Australia Day. Right. When it was... In my youth, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And when did they decide to gazette the handing out of awards? I can't remember. Well, it's a very good point. Uh, I've got... Somewhere in my mind it's in the 70s, but I don't know why I think it's in the 70s. I don't know for the life of me, but it never used to be, as far as I remember, Australia Day. I am a bushy, so we don't never seem to take too much notice of all these, you know, signified days. We kind of did other things. Um, but, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah, look, there's a whole range of, uh, of different dates here. I'm just having a little look. Look, I don't really know. <laughs> I'd, no, I don't I'd need either. to do a little bit of research on it. Um, when? Uh, I mean, it wasn't until 1935 that all Australian states and territories adopted the use of the term Australia Day to mark the date. Not until 1994, I guess. So 1994, I think, Sarah, is the date ah. that it was And when do you think they decided they were going to give out this raft of awards? Well, Do you uh, remember that? Let's have a look here. Australia Day Honours, Australia of the Year Awards. Uh, all the. Let's have a look. Um, since 1975, progressive. Oh, I know. Yeah. So uh, on. Let's have a look here. Um, the Australia Day Honours and Award Systems uh, refer to all orders, decorations, and medals as instituted by letters patent from the Monarch of Australia and countersigned by the Australian Prime Minister have been progressively introduced since. Uh, February 14, 1975. So it's grown like a mushroom. <laughs> started out, I don't think it started out to be what it is today. I, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not very fond of awards. I think there's so many different people do so many mar- marvellous yes. things yes. that I don't like picking out one person or two people. Or I mean, soldiers go to war to fight wars, yep. and they come home, they get a service medal, but they don't all come home with a VC. No, that's true. And I mean, how about is- giving an Australian uh, an Australia Day award to every single firefighter that saved us from the bushfires last year? Or how about a special Australia Day award, if you like, for all of the nurses on the front line of COVID-19? That's right, like a little medal, you know, a little thing. Well, the Order of Australia thing's only a like, tiny little thing, looks like a mushroom. They're a bit elitist, in my mind. That's they a big are, part they of the are, That's how I think of it. I know how it works, yeah. because I've lived in Canberra. I think you have too. Yeah. And, and, you know, there is a panel, and, and it is removed from... The, the Prime Minister of the day, and I'd be horrified if they had anything to do with it. And you do have to be nominated, but it leaves it open to 
who's got the most pool as a nominator? Well, yes, yes. And Doesn't it? What to favours me, in my of, mind, maybe what, I'm being a bit sarcastic about that, but, you know, I just don't like that sort of thing. I don't... I mean, I was happy when those fellows who got in those caves and got those little boys out, I thought that was a lovely thing that they deserved that. Yes. Because that was their hobby that took mm. them to there and yep. to do that. wasn't their job. But I just think... I, I just think there are people in our society that have got a lot of access and a lot of Look, in people fairness, that can do things there are a lot to get of, people what yeah. they want. But in fairness, there are a lot of other minor awards that, uh, you know, you can get an Order of the uh, an order of Australia. or uh, There are various other awards, which yeah. no doubt we'll talk about tomorrow on Australia Day, that local people in their communities have received. It's just these big gongs, in my opinion, that seem to be fairly elitist and certainly shouldn't be going to people like Margaret Court, but then again, man, but then again, that's just my opinion. Um, but I wonder why we continually seem to be rewarding people like Margaret. Is it because of their achievements in the sporting sphere? I mean, they've been paid already. I would have thought richly awarded for that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I had a dream. That's it. Sunday. Thank you for your company today. I would just fly, fly away. We're back tomorrow. Lawsy's back and next I Monday. Knew I couldn't stay. Have a good afternoon. So I had a dream that I just fly.